the chaos is continuing to rain down. In my case, quite literally. This one's a few days late, mainly because I've had over a thousand millimetres of rain fall at my place over the last three days. For my overseas and American listeners, that's 40 inches of rain in the past 72 hours. It is uh, Saturday evening, the 26th of February. I'm finding it interesting how I'm dating when I record this stuff at the moment. It's like all these seminal moments where we have to, for posterity's sake, understand when and where this was recorded. I bring you this week... Damus Artson, and we discussed conspiracy and control. This one has been in the works for a little while, and I can't tell you what a privilege it was to have Damus on the podcast. His depth of knowledge in these topics was astounding. This is another one of those ones that I haven't listened back to all of it. I listened back to a little bit to get the feel for the intro. However, I need to listen back to this one to compute all that was said. Damus is an author and he's got a book out and he's working on a couple of more. Make sure you check the links in the show notes to follow him on all his stuff. The conversations and the the content that's coming out of the UTC has been excellent recently. I had an excellent interview today that I'm going to keep mum about for the moment. However, behind that is episode 345 of the book by Max Egan. I really hope you're enjoying the content. We are trying to step it up here. Pass the word around if you're enjoying it. Let people know. This is a down-under indie podcast operated out of my shed in a little studio we call The Refinery. And it's a privilege to be a part of it and see it grow. Remember, we are on Patreon. If anyone wants to chuck a couple of dollars our way, that'd be awesome. If not, totally cool. Please just share and spread the word and the knowledge. To my fellow Queenslanders, as I record this, I hope you're dry. Please stay safe. Look after yourself. Look after each other. Thank you again to Damus for coming on the show. We've already got another one in the works, which is going to be awesome as well. Thanks to Jono for the intro. Thanks to all you awesome listeners. It is the time of the Kali Yuga. However, that doesn't mean we can't be cool and be kind to each other. Because love is the answer at the end of the day. Thanks very much, guys. Be patient, engage discipline, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Get
G'day everyone, welcome back. It's my great pleasure to introduce Dan all the way from Colorado uh, to the podcast. Mate, how are you going? Doing well, Trev. How are you doing? Mate, yeah. Look, I, th- I think, do you know what's the problem? Yes, we. I am doing well. Do you know why I'm doing well? Because I'm here in the refinery talking to you. But overall, is anyone doing well, mate? I think that's the one of the lies we tell ourselves. You know what I mean? I think that's a, yeah. you know, I think that's one of the issues, isn't it? You know? Uh, myself and Dan have been talking for a couple of years now, haven't we, mate? It's been, this one's been in the pipeline for since before yeah. COVID. Uh, you, you wrote a book and you sent it through to me, and I'm uh, not too sure if you want to talk much about that. I, I, I did have a, just a question as to because that was a joke. Uh, uh, a joke. There's a good good start, eh? That was a book. <laughs> that was a book of personal discovery, is how I read it. Right? It was a story. Yeah, I could I absolutely. could see I could see in the background that it was your personal journey being put onto paper through characters and, and timelines and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then I suppose 2020 hit, mate, you know what I mean? I, I, the only question I had about the book is how do you see it now considering, you know, that was, it, it seems like, you know, my running joke is, you know, remember back in 2019, four and a half thousand years ago, do you remember? <laughs> yeah. You know, so how, yeah. how, how, how's the, how's the perspective on that? You know? Uh, no, I no, I understand completely. Um, you know, for me, that was a story that I, I wanted to, you know, I spent a decade thinking how to tell that story because of, you know, some really profound experiences that I had had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, fortunately I had some time to kind of work out the details, but what I never had was the ending of the book. So mm-hmm. fast forward to the pandemic, the shutdown, you know, first time in my life, I'm not working a million hours and I've got some time to sit down and get some writing done. Mm-hmm. And I went into this with, uh, you know, with everything figured out, but the ending mm. and suddenly I'm sitting in the middle of the pandemic, you know, and, mm. and, and my life, uh, which is kind of the story kind of ends up in this moment. And mm-hmm. so really I knew that I had to take some liberties and, and take some assumptions, uh, because it stretches out beyond where we were now. Mm. Um, but you know, the whole point of that was just to kind of create this universe in which, uh, you know, there's going to be some more books coming through. Yeah. 
um, that'll kind of tie this personal story that was really an exploration, like you were talking about, of my journey mm-hmm. um, into being a you know fictional character in, mm-hmm. in the next series of books that I do. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, I tried to take an optimistic, rosy outlook at the end of the book. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I tried yeah. to see the light, you know, and, and push something positive. Um, of course, it didn't pan out like no. that. Um, <laughs> no, no, it didn't, unfortunately, mate. But it wasn't meant, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to be predictive. I was just trying to be hopeful. And, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. know, it is what it was at the end. But, uh, you know, it was, it was something that I really enjoyed getting the chance to do. And uh, and I'm looking forward to all the future writing that I've got going on right now. So. Yeah, look, it was interesting, man, because I, 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 I'd read, I'll be honest, I read half of it. And it sort of got lost in the pile. I mean, as you can see, there's a bookcase behind me. There's another one over this way. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, so I got many one over books. There yeah, yeah, there's so many books. You know? <laughs> sure. And then um, it fell out of a pile. I'm like, oh, I haven't finished reading that. And I started reading it again. And then, like, three days later, you got back in touch with me. And I'm like, yeah, well, we've got to sort this out now. You know what I mean? We've got to, we've got to yeah. try and, because it was a little bit uh, coincidental. Well, there is no coincidence. You know what I mean? And, been looking forward to sitting down with you man and you sent me a pretty lengthy email about some of the stuff you're looking into uh and yeah. i suppose for posterity's sake it's well the 19th for me and the 18th for you of february uh 2022 um in the last week down under it's been shown and proven that they used uh, long-range audio devices on freedom protesters potential some sort of direct energy weapons causing burns and stuff on the skins of protesters and children and babies just for the record and this morning the uh old uh i don't know what do we call him trudeau commissar trudeau got enough people together to uh, attack the truckers in ottawa just for wanting freedom um and i think for those of us that are holding a line and, and looking at this stuff objectively, it's a long-term game, isn't it? And this isn't, this isn't something yeah. that's just happened the last two years. Uh, this isn't something that has just materialized out of nothing. Uh, and it's becoming quite obvious, you know, there's that, there's that, there's that golden list on YouTube. You know, if we had mentioned, you know, the, the lab leak theory a year ago, we'd be shut down on all social media platforms. Now that's common knowledge. You know what I mean? Um, we're dealing with an experimental medication that clearly doesn't work anymore if it ever worked to begin with. Um, And, you know, all the things, D all the above. However, we, we, I don't want to spend as much as I want to know how you are and how your family is. And, you know, maybe a little brief part about that. And let's, let's deep dive into some of these because your research is taking you down uh, conspiracy theories, hasn't it, mate? So, um, (laughs) And I did. I did do inverted commas for the audio listeners there. Yeah, yeah. Because at, at this point, they probably should be called spoiler alerts. But um, you know, what is it? We're sixteen and zero, mate. The conspiracy series to sixteen and zero so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is uh, what does Adam Curry say? The Podfather, right? He says he's a conspiracy therapist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, conspiracy therapist. Yeah, yeah. The old Podfather himself. Um, yeah. So how how are you, mate? How is what is it? over there and then maybe we'll, we'll jump into some of the topics we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. You know what? I mean, we're doing good over here. It's uh, America has been a place of contention for, for so long now that we're all just used to it. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a division that's been uh, purposely generated into society. 
Um, and we're all living with that. And, uh, you know, my point and my purpose at this, you know, at, the, at, at this point in history is to, is to take a look at that and figure what we can do to fight back against yeah. it. Because, you know, it's been, it's been far too long that we've allowed all these divisions to occur. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm a fiction writer. That's what I enjoy doing. Um, but, uh, you know, I've got some great friends, you know, like you do, and we have some great conversations and, you know, what we've, you know, what I've kind of just come to the point of now is just realizing that, okay, uh, the narratives are, the, the narratives are out of control at this point. There's yes. a, yeah. there's no difference between the term narrative and propaganda. You know, anybody no. who's studied propaganda as a, yeah. you know, a student of history understands how it works. And mm-hmm. uh, anybody who takes a look around at what's going on today understands that we are knee deep in, uh, in propaganda uh, everywhere we turn. Absolutely. And, you know, part of the thing for me was, was having to realize, you know, everywhere I looked all around me, all the conversations that I overheard or partaking in were, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people have just, um, they've turned a blind eye. They're, they're buying into the narrative of American greatness, global greatness, Western Mm -hmm. greatness Mm -hmm. um, in ways that are really alarming because it seems like we've, uh, we've forgotten our own history. And, you know, in my country, I don't know how it is for you, but I assume it's probably similar. Um, But we have this, uh, this amnesia that's taken place. And so, uh, you know, what I wanted to do was uh, start putting together an idea to work with a couple of friends. Uh, I have a really talented journalist friend. Um, and we wanted to kind of uh, write a book on the history of conspiracy and control. Yes. And the idea was, let's take a deep dive. Let's, you know, let's look at, uh, let's look at this as far back as we can take it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. let's understand the way the world works. How's that, mate? Are you there? All right. I'm here. Yeah. 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 So um, look, we, you, you, I think you said uh, for the audio guess, uh, for the audio, I can clean that up. That's no worries. Video, I can stitch it together as well. But you were saying um, you wanted sure. to get together with a journalist friend of yours and talk about conspiracy and control, right? That's sort of that's where it sort of cut out. We should be okay now. I've gone to hotspot. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're talking about conspiracy and control with a friend of yours, a journalist friend of yours, which I've got questions about uh, as, as well. Sure. What, what his perspective is or her perspective? I'm too sure he or she. Um, it's a him, yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So with the project, you want you were talking about conspiracy and control, and I think just to add to that, like uh, you can't really see the books, the titles of these books, but most of them are history books, yeah. and it's yeah. Yeah. Uh, those of us that are students of history, as you said earlier, we know what's happening. It's quite clear to us what's happening. However, I suppose, and I'd be interested to get your perspective. Uh, I didn't realize how long it had been happening. It's been a slow burn. And then they just sort of, they just sort of tick the box and then let it run. Uh, mm. And maybe part of us because of the comfort and the, uh, the good times that we've had, we didn't see it coming uh, as, as we probably should have, but uh, yeah. Talk about the project, mate. Conspiracy and control. Yeah. So, you know, the idea was just to, uh, to take a look at uh, what we could understand about, I guess, I guess the easiest way to kind of frame this is you know when we want to talk about things like lab leak theory mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a strange kind of uh, energy about you know especially where we are here i'm sure you're going through the same thing where mm-hmm. um you know anytime you want to talk about something that uh, is a little outside of the the accepted narrative uh you know the the first label that gets thrown out now is conspiracy theorist um, 
Joe Joe Rogan, I think, was being accused of peddling misinformation. Yes, so misinformation. They yeah, they didn't want to call him a conspiracy theorist, so they you know they accused him of misinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, but what uh, you know, so so I just wanted to kind of look in the into this idea and, and kind of understand because I, as a student of history like you are, you know, I understand completely that. Uh, there's a lot of real dark, uh, you know, really dark activity that's gone on historically um, behind the scenes. And so, you know, what I was trying to work through was why, uh, you know, the modern, uh, you know, and from my perspective, American public uh, seem to have no understanding, you know, it's just this, uh, it's nothing but hoorah and our victories at wars and, you know, all the great things that Americans think they've done. But, Isn't uh, it interesting, though, mate? I mean, from an Aussie's perspective, you haven't won a war in a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and like, it's but, it's, uh, it's a perception yeah. issue, isn't it? I mean, but that's that's a that's an Aussie thing. We we have down here. We we've got uh, we call tall poppy syndrome. So basically, what that to translate that is that if anyone sort of sticks their head up above the trench, they get it blown off, basically. And you've got to stay in the, it's like the crabs in the bucket. You've heard the crabs in the bucket analogy, right? You, the, you've got, when you catch a heap of crabs, uh, you put them in a bucket, right? And if one crab tries to escape, the other crabs will draw them back down into the bucket. It's like, no, you're not going anywhere either. You know, and I think, yeah. I think coupled with that, that's an Australian sort of a thing. However, I do think it's the distractions, you know what I mean? You know, we could, we could have a long, interesting conversation about this you know what i mean uh and what that's mm-hmm. done um you know the endless distraction and uh, i think for me the revealing thing because as you know you're a long to i appreciate your support you're a long-term listener of the podcast and uh you know you know i delve into ancient mysteries right so i, I wasn't really in mm-hmm. present time you know i i've been looking into megalith stuff i've been deep down in that hole and i knew that everything was bullshit However, the level is is quite disturbing. You know, once you start opening your eyes. And again, our history, and it's not that long ago, as we're going to discuss as we move forward. Like some of it is long ago, but some of these uh, false flags, uh, you know, some people still don't know what the Gulf of Tonkin is. You know, like there's, there's, that's the basic, there's the, the basic one, right? Where Vietnam was a lie, you know? Do we even go even sooner mm-hmm. than that? Weapons of mass destruction, right? There wasn't mm-hmm. any, you know, like, and then 20 years later, we just gave it all back to them. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, how do we, and the stuff that's just been swept under the rug the last two years as well. I mean, UFOs are real, uh, you know, Afghanistan fell and we gave it back to, you know, we, we spent 20 years to beat the Taliban to give it back to them. I mean, some of this stuff that's been normalized, and it, when you talk about propaganda, that's what you're talking about. How have we demonized coughs and sneezes, but normalized uh, myocard- uh, myocarditis, pericarditis, and athletes just falling dead on the field? You know, like people yeah. just dropping dead. And that's because of the experimental medication that we've been, you know, coerced to take. Um, mm. But where do, you, where do you want to start, mate? Where do you want to start? Uh, we sort of talked about the Knights Templar because I mean, how far back did you go? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it never ends, I suppose. <laughs> you know, back to written history. 
Yeah. Well, you know, for me, when I set out with this project, uh, you know, I wanted to look at, uh, and we kind of, we kind of exchanged about this, but, uh, you know, we threw the term, uh, follow the money out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I decided, you know what, let's start there. That's where I'm going to start just for fun. You know, I'm going to start, I'm going to follow the money. And if you follow the money in, in, in a global, uh, a global theater, I think it makes sense to start with the banks. So I wanted to understand, the international banking system, the history of the international banking system. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, I'm going to start with the most boring part of this and dive in right away, you know, and just get mm-hmm. that part over with. Mm-hmm. Well, to my surprise, something I was not aware of when I started researching the history of uh, banking, mm-hmm. um, what happened was I ended up uh, at the Knights Templar. <laughs> so I thought it was going to be a really boring deep dive. And, you know, the, the thing I find out in the first, you know, the first part of this was, uh, you know, that essentially uh, the Knights Templar are responsible for, for what we consider to be modern banking practices. You know, the, um, uh, the Hebrews and the, uh, and, and the Jewish religion were, uh, you know, when they talked about giving loans to people for them, uh, it was considered, uh, you know, essentially immoral to charge interest rates on, on those loans. So um, the Knights were an interesting uh, group of characters because essentially they were uh, uh, formed as a Catholic military order. And, uh, you know, this was after the first crusade and what they were doing was, you know, and everybody knows this part of the story. They were, uh, they were protecting the the Christian pilgrims who were, you know, getting an opportunity to go to Jerusalem for the first time. And so uh, one of the problems that they ran into was there was a lot of, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, getting robbed on the uh, on the journey. So they came up with a very inventive practice of, you know, holding uh, the valuables of these pilgrims and then uh, giving them a check. So they would check in at a Templar station from where they were leaving and they would turn in their valuables and the Templars would give them a check uh, of, of sorts. And then they would, uh, you know, take that to a Templar station in Jerusalem and you know, be giving funds, you know, for that check. And then when they went back, they would get, you know, their important stuff uh, from them. So in a way it was a, you know, a lot of historians agree that this was the real first advent of the, uh, of the modern banking system. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the story of the Templars has been told a million times and uh, it's rooted in conspiracy and, and, Mm. and silly stuff, but, when you really start to scratch under the surface, you know, a lot of people, you know, one of the things about the, the Templars is they're known as the, uh, their true title was the, the poor fellow soldiers of Christ yeah. uh, and of the Temple of Solomon. And that's how they were known. These were, uh, these were very poor, uh, you know, religious people, uh, brave, brave uh, fighting force uh, that were carrying on. And one of the most deadly uh, military units in the, in the Crusades mm-hmm. Um, but what happened was they got very rich, very fast. And there's a lot of theories as to how that happened. Um, you know, and, and, and that to me has been part of the interesting aspect of this is when you kind of look through the stories, you know, you always hear the story of how, you know, for instance, they, they moved into the, the temple mount, which is known as uh, Solomon's temple. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the story goes that they were digging underneath there and they found the Ark of the Covenant. They found mm-hmm. all these religious items and mm-hmm. somehow finding these items created all their wealth. Um, I'm very skeptical of that. I'm not sure uh, how I feel about that either way. But what is clear to me was that, uh, you know, they were uh, they were loaning out a lot of money and uh, with through interest rates 
were picking up a lot of money yeah. uh, in the process and they became very powerful, very fast. They were, uh, they had uh, installations, compounds, land all over Europe um, very quickly. Mm. And so when I was kind of trying to understand this, <clears throat> one of the things that I, I stumbled across was also the fact that they're considered the first international corporation. So oh, okay. you've got the, the first multinational corporation uh, that invented the modern banking model mm. um, tied up in Christianity uh, with a little, uh, a little bow there. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, was interesting also is they were considered a charity at the time. So they were the favored charity throughout Christendom. Uh, people yeah, loved contributing to their cause and, and helping build them up, uh, mm. you know, if they were Christian, of course. Well, God, God loves um, you, mate. God, God loves you, but he needs your money. He's broke. <laughs> yeah, as George Carlin once said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He yeah. just can't. Uh, he just can't handle money. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, right. He, he loves you, but he's broke. It's just, he's not really. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, Ed, yeah. Look, there's. A, you, you mentioned that the Temple of Solomon keeps coming back around, and it's actually part of the other research that I'm looking at because that was. Interestingly, the Temple of Solomon was the first technically the first lodge of the masons was built during the building of the temple of solomon and that came from uh Dionysian architects that were in tyre uh in yeah in that region of the world uh yeah but anyway there's there's a there's an ancient megalith connection there and i do wonder about when you say treasure and i can i can see why you'd be skeptical about that but understand majority of these temples were built on existing temples as well you know absolutely so, yeah. Um, yeah so you know there may have been treasure there may have been you know the ark of the covenant you know is supposedly well the ark the ark the ark is supposed to be in cambodia apparently but no one really knows uh yeah which is a yeah weird spot yeah no i've i've followed that trail uh myself but um <clears throat> the one thing i thought you know yeah you can't debate that the temple of solomon was built to house the ark of the covenant and it was meant to be the the first temple for Yahweh, you know, mm -hmm. for God. Mm -hmm. So that's literally the lore of it, you know. So I understand, you know, why that's why that's the case. But um, you know, one of the things that that I've found as I get into these things is, uh, you know, I feel like if you kind of look at what the narrative is, and then you follow it back to its root, you can usually find a pivot point where I think the real information starts to occur away yeah. from the uh the narrative that has uh, been told to the public for a long time yeah what what, um, what so obviously so you're talking about they're the first banking system but and this is just from memory weren't the templar ran out didn't the church hunt them down is that how it finished the knights templar didn't the church hunt them down for some reason or another and is that because they had a lot of money is that one of the reasons or yeah so you know, I mean, I think uh, I think if we're going to to talk about this part, I think it's important to talk about Solomon. So, mm, you know, mm. obviously they invoke Solomon in their name. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, once I read this, I'm like, OK, I need to do a deep dive into Solomon. I'm, you know, I know I know a lot about various religions, but, you know, I don't really know much about him. So mm. Solomon was an interesting guy. He lived 970 to 931 uh, BCE. He was the son of King David. Mm -hmm. um, he was married to the Pharaoh's daughter. He actually had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Wow. Um, he got a lot of criticism uh, from the holy people around him because he was considered an adulterer. 
Um, but you know, I when mean, pushing a thousand. So he's an interesting guy, you know. He's pushing a thousand exactly. So you know, um, obviously, some of the more interesting things about Solomon when you, you know, and I went back and I read through all the texts. I didn't just look at the Bible. Yeah, uh, I read through Islamic texts. I read through you know everything I could find to kind of understand who this, who the idea of this person was. Yeah, and uh, he was a magician. He was an exorcist. Uh, he was the most wealthy king of Israel. So, you know, everywhere I read, you know, the, the for some reason, it, you know, it's known that he collected 666 talents of gold per year. Um, he was a builder. He built the temple, as you were talking about with, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, his, his name's eluding me at the moment, but, uh, oh, I'm sorry, King Hiram of Tyre. Yeah, 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 yeah Hiram. Yeah. Yeah, Haram. Um, Haram. Not to be confused Haram. with the architect. Yeah, mm. Haram. Thank mm. you. Yeah, mm. and uh, uh, Haram, the architect, you know, as you were pointing out, is the uh, uh, most important figure in Freemasonry. Yes, that's so. Right. The yeah. the connection between Freemasonry and and the Knights Templar is is unavoidable. It's absolutely one hundred percent true. There was no historian that would debate or or no. try to say that isn't the thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, you were dead on. So, you know, one of the things that the Templar said, you know, and, and I should, I'm sorry, let me back up for a second. Cause You're we should right. finish Take out Solomon. Yeah. Um, a couple other things known about Solomon was, uh, if you read the Testament of Solomon, um, it stated that he worships Moloch. Um, I thought yes. that was really interesting because, you know, as we know, the, uh, the famous Alex Jones video where he goes to Bohemian Grove. Yep, and you've got owl, all these politicians yep. sitting around worshiping Moloch, the owl god, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that goes all the way back to Solomon through the Knights Templar, um, that tradition. Um, but he was also known to have been given a ring that was in some debate. Some people debated. There's some people that say it was the Star of David ring. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read a lot of accounts that say it was a pentagram. Um, and that that pentagram uh, essentially was given to him by Archangel Michael. And allowed him to control demons, including uh, Asmodeus, who was an early prototype for what you know we would talk about as being the devil or Satan. Um, yeah, right. And, and of mean, course, yeah. you know he he was. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're right. I'd remind me about the pentagram when you finished your when you finished your discussion. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, and you know, of course, like we said, he was known to, or he was uh, alleged to have been uh, the keeper of the Ark of the Covenant, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, pretty interesting story all in all. I think most of the story ends with his uh, affair with the Queen of Sheba, yes, uh, which goes yes. back to some of those beliefs that, you know, the Ark could be in Ethiopia mm-hmm. uh, at this point where there's, uh, according to the reading I looked at, it sounds like at one point the uh, Ethiopian Christians were giving a, given a version of the, or a, um, I'm sorry, a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's most likely what's probably in that church there. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, uh, yeah, you know, when you kind of put all this stuff together, he's a very dark individual who, uh, seems to be embraced by Christianity in strange ways, but, uh, highly criticized regardless, even during his time. Um, Which so when you, yeah. when you jump forward, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, please. No, no you're right, mate. It, it's so fascinating. We've got to, we've got to deal with the delay. It, it, it'll, it'll, there's probably about a half yeah. a second yeah. delay between us. Um, yeah, I think it's fascinating when we talk about as I say, King Solomon, you know, the, the Dionysian architects, Haram the king and also Haram the architect. I think you're right. They are two separate people, Haram being the founding mason. Yeah. But more importantly, I mean, 
you know, some of the most impressive megalithic architecture is actually found in that area. You know, that's just down the road from Baalbek, you know, uh, it's, and there's some like Ty is one of those ones that is on the list uh, for the podcast to dig into. Uh, I was actually fortunate enough uh, in the cupboard over there. There's some Masonic documents. My grandfather was a Mason. He was a third degree Mason and he left me some of his documentation that I probably shouldn't have. However, it does talk about Haram and the, you know, the Bacchus being the God of wine, which is Dionysus as well. You know, and I think you talked about, uh, you know, Malak and uh, what's interesting about these, these figures is that, yeah. Okay. Christianity embraced them, but I, I wonder why, I mean, look, number one, Christianity, it's all the same religion, Christianity, Islam, Jehovah, like pick your pick your flavor. It's not actually anything different, which is makes it. I don't understand Absolutely. why they're fighting each other, but that's don't, don't let common sense or critical thinking get in the way of a good story, Dan. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know the the tire stuff. It would make sense to me that there is some sort of treasure. I see a lot of these older kings. I mean, if they're yeah, you know, if, if we play with the cataclysm thing and we play with the idea that there was an advanced civilization that existed prior to us, then we've got this generation of kings and, you know, they're, they're, they're getting their own wealth through that period of time. And maybe they did find the opening to these chambers, you know what I mean? Or they, they found something, um, you know, and there's all these, this, it's, it's almost like technology, isn't it? Right. So it's like, you know, a, a, a power ring, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. There's all these things that it's peppered throughout the original Bible as well that everyone seems to ignore. Uh, you know, the mention of giants in the Bible is crazy, but that's a different story. Uh, you know, yeah. and, it, and what I find interesting is like you talk about the pentagram. If I look that way, there's a pentagram on the front of the studio door, right? Because in the original pagan religion, uh, you know, and look, pagan again is in inverted commas because so, that's how we understand it now. However, that's actually a symbol of protection, Dan. You know, that's earth, air, fire, water, yeah. ether. You know, the, that's that's what it is. Um, you know, and that you, you talk about the the crusades, part of what they would do because people would have a pentagram on their door as a symbol of protection for the house, right? Which is one of the reasons yeah. I've got it on the studio, and yeah, you know, that symbol the the, the Knights Templar or, you know, the Crusaders would kick down that door and go basically join us or die. You know what I mean? That was, that was your option. Yeah. Even when these people that were commanding them were still honoring the old ways to a certain degree, you know, we could, you know, obviously Christmas, Easter, all those sorts of things. Um, yeah. King Solomon's an interesting character and you've, you've given me some more information, you know, and again, he built his temple to, house his treasure wasn't it that was but was it was it was a, it was a it was a uh a dedication to yahweh apparently however yeah you know yeah. uh you know and there's all these you know 666 and you know all this sort of stuff again 666 is is part of sacred geometry dan like that's 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 the sort of stuff mm -hmm. that binds the universe together it's not exactly you know in once upon a time in history it would not be a demonic number at all that, that would be that's part of understanding who we are and the fabric of our existence but it's interesting how they take those things and twist them into uh darkness you know yeah no and i think you know that's the point i'm i'm essentially overall trying to make is 
there's a, you know, there's a narrative here that's being mm. crafted and mm -hmm. this narrative uh, can be found, you know, when you hear, hit these points with Solomon, another thing that you find with him is that he was responsible for kind of uh, uh, repairing and rebuilding Megiddo. And, you know, that of course is uh, translates in the Greek to the Armageddon. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting where you see this kind of crafting of narrative and you have to kind of like dive into this and, you know, we, we, we convert, you know, we, we went back and forth a little bit and mentioned astrotheology, mm -hmm. um, you know, which I think is a, an interesting topic for us to get into, you know, at, at some point here. But, uh, um, you know, I think it's important to understand that um, just to stay on the Templars while we're still there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's um, finish with the Templars. Yeah. Yeah, because you asked me a question, I gave you a really long answer. So yeah, no, uh, no, mate, this um, is, yeah, there, there is there were... is no short answers on unlocking the code, mate. The longer the better. I don't. I think it's fascinating because look, because the thing is, is that we're we're you know a, a world away from each other, and you've delved into things that I don't know about. I've delved into things that you don't know about, and I think you know, yeah, knowledge is power. Yes, however, it's nothing if it isn't shared, mate. So don't ever worry about long-winded answers where you know i've got no timekeeper tonight today yeah. so you know we'll just go as long as we feel you know i think it's it's totally fine mate and i'm really enjoying it so what else about the knights templar i mean where do, where do how, how would well we to back up and to back up and answer your question you know one of the criticisms of the templars when they were wildly powerful um was that you know they their their order involved a lot of secrecy mm. and you know we know now that the um the initiation ceremonies of the templars have been carried down through the masons yes. um so that's something that's been there from the uh from the very beginning and mm. so a long story short what happened was king philip uh, the fourth of france was into the templars for a lot of money and, uh, you know, he didn't want to pay it back realistically, according to, you know, kind of the historians that I've been reading. Mm -hmm. And so he played into the uh, distrust and the secrecy of the Templars. Um, and some of the rumors that were circulating, they were said to have uh, worshipped Bapomet, you know, who is the, uh, the kind of satanic image we think of as being the devil. Mm -hmm. um, Baal, you know, is, yeah. is related to the idea of Bapomet. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, he tried to play up this distrust of them. And, uh, you know, he managed to have some sway over the Pope at the time and uh, convinced him that the right thing to do was to, uh, to go after the Templars mm -hmm. because uh, they were a threat to, uh, to Christendom at that point, is what he was going to argue. And, and, you know, the Pope at the time fell for that and uh, said, okay, that, you know, we're going to do this thing. And then, you know, the infamous date is October, uh, Friday the 13th, 1307. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, essentially the, uh, the French uh, Templars uh, were taken uh, into custody, you know, many of them put on trial, uh, many of them burned at the stake. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way the story goes is uh, some of the Templars in France understood, you know, what was coming It had been building for a while and uh, they got uh, a heads up knowledge and they jumped in their ships with their treasures and they sailed out into the oceans and uh, are forgotten by time mostly after that. Um, and that's where, you know, I got a little curious because I knew that, you know, based on my research, these guys had uh, owned land all over Europe. I mean, it yes. wasn't just France. They, yeah. they were a very powerful, uh, group, you know, of, uh, private military soldiers. Well, they, they, they own land all the way from, you know, you know, all the way to the Holy land, wasn't it? Basically they. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, yep. they, their yep. crusades and, took them everywhere. So 
And if they're doing that thing in each place, like you said before, it's like, yeah, you can come with us. We'll just give you, it will take your valuable stuff and give you a check, you know, some, you know, a traveler's check, I suppose is probably the best way to interpret it in the modern day. However, mm-hmm. so what, so you think that they were the basis of some of these other banking systems then? Is that, is that, is that, am I, am I, am I picking up what you're putting down there? Is that, are we talking about yeah, some of these other families? Absolutely. I mean, as well as other things too, because, you know, you can trace the, you know, what the Templars did after that time in France and, um, you know, interestingly enough, they, you know, it's pretty well established now that they had a huge uh, part to play in the formation of Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, they went over to Scotland, uh, teamed up with Robert the Bruce, and uh, there's a pretty famous battle that was won by Robert the Bruce uh, mm-hmm. that talks about the, uh, the white knights with the uh, red, red mantle. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's pretty, pretty understood that this was the connection where the Templars got involved with Scottish Freemasonry, essentially, Mm -hmm. uh, from a historic perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, one of the things I also find interesting was, you know, I don't know if you've uh, seen some of the research about, you know, the, the probability that the Templars made it all the way to America. There's some good, uh, some good evidence that perhaps, you know, they, uh, they spent some time here in America and left mm-hmm. some marks and there's some, you know, geologists that feel really passionate about this and some, you know, archeologists that are looking into these more kind of, you know, they're, they're not proven theories, but they're interesting nonetheless. And there's a lot of good circumstantial evidence. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things I think that's really important, uh, that I found in my research was, um, uh, this whole thing that happened with uh, the uh, Masons in France in 1307 was pretty well uh, predicted by the Templars at the time. Um, excuse me, I said Masons, I meant Templars, um, one and the same at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, as I was kind of looking around the world at what was going on at this time, um, one of the things that stood out to me was uh, a little kind of story that was brewing in Europe. Um, you essentially had... Uh, uh, this region that was uh, kind of undeclared um, in between uh, France and Germany, Belgium, Liechtenstein, and uh, you know this became yeah this became the uh, the part of the Alps, um, and, and eventually became the country we know today as Switzerland. Mm. And you know this was something I kind of just you know it, it was really just a simple thing that kind of led me to this, which was you know if you look at the Swiss flag, you I know gonna, essentially I was just about it's to uh, say that the white cross on the red yeah background. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it's an inverse image, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Instead of being the red cross on the white mantle, it's the uh, the white, the, cross, uh, white yeah. cross on the red mantle, sure. Um, and I just thought that was interesting. So I wanted to understand the formation of uh, Switzerland, how it came to be, the Swiss Confederacy came to power and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, one of the things I found uh, really interesting was, uh, you know, kind of diving into this before I got into Switzerland was I, I came across the, uh, the Chinon parchment. Um, if you're familiar with the Chinon area of France, no, um, yeah, and essentially that, it was, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a new one, mate. Chinon parchment uh, expand. Yeah. So, so this was dated, uh, August 1308. Um, there was a parchment that was discovered in the Vatican secret archives, uh, by a researcher named Barbara Frail. Um, and apparently it had been, uh, she discovered it by accident because it had been filed in the wrong place in 1628. So, uh, you know, essentially what she realized was that, uh, Pope Clement had absolved the Templars of all heresies in 1308 
which was just a year after all this happened. Um, And then, uh, you know, formally disbanded the order in 1312. And then there was another Sheenone parchment uh, that addressed uh, King, you know, King Philip IV of France. And uh, basically what this parchment said was that the Templars that had confessed to heresy were tortured um, and that they weren't legitimate, uh, they weren't legitimate crimes. So they restored the Templars uh, who were involved with this. Um, they restored the sacraments um, and, 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 and gave them back to the unity of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another Sheenone parchment uh, that's well known to historians um, that kind of details this. So the, the interesting part was I, I kind of jumped over and looked and I wanted to see the current position of the Roman Catholic church. Yeah. Um, and they, they say that basically the persecution of the Knights Templar was unjust. Um, and that, uh, you know, uh, Pope Clement had pressed, uh, his actions, um, essentially by the magnitude of the public scandal, mm-hmm. uh, that was dominating the time. Um, so he, he buckled the people. Yeah, kind of, Kind of interesting that we find this little tidbit, you know, kind of nestled in there because um, as I kind of dove into Switzerland, what I found uh, to be kind of, you know, some interesting stuff like, you know, it's like uh, Switzerland was founded in 1291. So this was, you know, maybe 15 years or so. My math isn't great. But uh, before, uh, you know, essentially the French Templars were chased out of France. Yeah. Um, And what we know about Switzerland has always been... uh, there was a short period of time where they weren't a neutral territory. They mm. were actually at the service of the Catholic church. Mm. Uh, they're a very Christian nation always have been. Well, I mean, the Swiss guard, um, you know I mean? The Swiss guard is one of those things now, even today. You yeah. Know, yeah. 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 And, yeah. you know, for people that don't know about the Swiss guard, it's really interesting because, you know, what the Swiss guard are is they're, they're Swiss mercenaries that mm. were hired, um, you know, by the Pope essentially, to fight in a couple of wars that they had. Um, and then by that point, eventually Switzerland had declared themselves neutral. Uh, and uh, eventually that turned into what we know today as armed neutrality. What they yeah. believed in was uh, that they weren't going to get involved with other people's wars, but they believed in military preparedness yeah. without commitment. Yeah. So, you know, kind of, kind of interesting when you take this, this kind of, you know, look at it, it's like, okay, well, they decided they were going to be neutral. Um, they became a, a banking system, essentially, of the from a country perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know, to go back to this armed neutrality, I think it's important to talk about the fact that uh, when you look at Switzerland and kind of uh, putting this more this uh, model forward, mm. um, you see an interesting example of it um, later on when Catherine the Great is in power, and she's uh, negotiating with America to. Uh, over the uh, the land that we know today as Alaska. Mm-hmm. And so what she did was she created the first league of armed neutrality. Um, and this was after the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was essentially an agreement that America and Russia had um, that uh, turned into what we know today as international maritime law. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for the deep dive of people that have researched international maritime law, you kind of, that kind of leads to the modern judicial system that we have today. So, uh, you know, I, I always think about like uh, when you go into the courtroom and, uh, you know, if you're going to be testifying, you uh, you walk past that little door. I don't know the technical name of it, um, that little gate that opens up and then yeah. you yeah. sit down and it closes. And that's a symbolic of uh, the idea of you're boarding a ship 
and you're under maritime law at that point. So our yeah, entire yeah. judicial system is kind of rooted in that, you know? Um, so it's interesting to kind of see how these little things just build and build. Um, mm. One of the things that as I started diving into Switzerland, just to understand it better and learn more about it um, was the Red Cross, mm. um, you know, and the Red Cross is a red cross on a well, white flag. Um, and it was founded, uh, they say, to protect human life and health and to ensure respect for all human beings and to prevent Isn't and that, alleviate human suffering. Isn't that fascinating? Because the symbolic, what's the first day? The first date is still a cross, mate. You know what I mean? Like that, that yeah. the, there's all these symbols that carry through for thousands and thousands of years and no one has any idea. No one has any idea. You know, as, as I sit here and listen to you talk, Dan, it's the, you know, we could all, I, I think we all wish we were three people. Cause it's like, wow, this sounds really, really fascinating. I'm in so many rabbit holes. I don't know where I am anymore. However, I'd like right. to jump into your one right. as well. Cause it's like, wow, you, you, I'm, I'm making connections that I'd thought about, but not really researched, you know, and you talk yeah. about all the money and the gold and all that sort of stuff. What do you do in Switzerland, mate? That's where, that's where you hide your gold, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, if you think about what the Templars, when we were talking about before, and what I was saying was they were known as being the biggest charity in Christendom. Yeah. And uh, the Red Cross today is the biggest charity uh, in the in world. Christendom. You know? yeah, so, it's still the biggest charity yeah. in Christendom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, given this is circumstantial, there's no, uh, nothing I can say for sure. But, uh, man, the, uh, the imagery and the symbology is just uh, in, in our faces, you know. Um, so, you know, I wanted to keep learning more about Switzerland and, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I found interesting, uh, was that the, the Habsburgs who, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've communicated a little bit about, um, mm -hmm. you know, if I was to say to people today that, uh, there was a family, uh, a powerful family that, uh, controlled the world, um, you know, I'd be labeled a nut job and a conspiracy mm -hmm. theorist. Um, but, uh, all you have to do is go back and research the Habsburgs and you understand pretty clearly because, mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the interesting things when you, when you just Google the Habsburgs is you just look at, um, all the positions of power that they held as a family. Yeah. They were uh, monarchs, uh, of every country in Europe, uh, every Duke title, every Archduke title, um, popes, there's no position of power that the Habsburgs didn't, uh, inhabit at one point or another so in fact they were a family that ran the world and yeah. there's no there's no debating that historically and mm. uh mm. they 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 pulled their name Habsburg from a castle in Switzerland which I just found to be an interesting little tidbit as I was going through all this what I find um, what of I, what, course that one of the thought just because you mentioned uh castles what I thought so Switzerland was only founded in what do you say 1391 or whatever it was or uh, sorry, 1291, the architecture and the masonry and the, you know, the, the beauty of those mansions and the churches in the Alps and stuff like that, like that, the amount of treasure and skill and all the things that were needed to actually build that stuff. And if you, as we say, we can switch out Templar and Mason at any point, it doesn't really make a difference, right? So they were obviously connected to the Solomon Temple, the Solomon temples connected to the Masons, which were connected to the ancient art of Masonry, which came from King Tyre, Haram. You know what I mean? Like there's so many, I'm, I'm just seeing the, the dots are lining up, you know, and I, yeah. 
and they're still yeah. they're still you know that's where you know you want to hide your money you go to switzerland right you, you know the, the seat of power in the world the, or the 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 money that's missing from every government is probably in switzerland right now and then you've got a you know part of the modern con- modern conspiracy if we you know flick towards modern day it's like who is actually in control you know I, I had a guy, yeah. I said two companies, but I, I was talking to a guy and he's, he's attached to the narrative. Right. And, and he's like, I said, two companies pretty much own everything. He's like, no, they don't. I said, well, BlackRock's one of them. You know, that these are, this is, that's an individual company that owns everything. You know, like, it's not like they're not competing against each other. That is one entity that exists that controls everything that we see and, and do and use. And it's like, the 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 reality of a, a controlling force on the planet i mean you could you know i i mean you know the habsburgs but obviously you think of rothschild you know the rothschild family you think of all this sort of stuff and if you talk about the money as well i don't know what the number was a little while ago it's like oh the, the world owes 214 trillion dollars to who you know what i mean what the Decepticons? Like, who do we owe the money to? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying, and uh, you know, when you look at Switzerland, I mean, aside from them being, uh, you know, the the banking capital of the world, and uh, they're also the seat of power right now. So, you know, when you look at the organizations that are that are that are in Switzerland today. I mean, you've got the uh, the World Trade Organization is headquartered there. The World Health Organization is headquartered there. The International Labor or the Labor Organization, um, you know, ironically FIFA, um, and it's also you know home to the UN. Whereas a lot of people think of New York as being the kind of headquarters of the UN. The second biggest facility is in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and these were things I kind of knew and I and I found to be interesting as I was researching, but. What, you know, what, what I kind of learned new for me that, that, that I didn't, wasn't aware of was uh, the Bank of International Settlements. And, uh, you know, that part of the research for me was really the, the you know, the honey hole, so to speak. Um, because when you look into the history of the BIS, uh, you learn some really, really interesting things. Um, so the Bank of International Settlements is uh, still around today. Um, if you go to their website, uh, it says they, uh, they foster international monetary and financial cooperation, they uh, and they serve as a bank for the central banks. I love the so wording of these imagine guys. I love the wording got, of these guys. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, man. They're great. Mm. Um, but you know, you look at the history of Europe and, uh, uh, a lot of the really dark elements of the history, you know, fall onto the central banks, which is why. Uh, you know, supposedly the founders uh, fought so hard against central banks for so long. And it mm. wasn't until after the Great Depression that uh, that the uh, Federal Reserve was formed and, yeah. and it was official. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I don't know how I feel about that story. I think maybe it was probably already kind of in the works anyway. And there's a well, lot of great I, rumors I, I, about. Yeah. The, the First World War, mate, I think is where we're looking at. I mean, the, you know, the First World War, a lot of people don't understand was between cousins. You know, you talk about the Habsburgs. I'm pretty sure that was that. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't that family, but it was an extension of that family. And yeah, the first that 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 meat grinder of First World War was between cousins, you know, and you can see the that's when the the industrial might of the US was first recognized. And you know, the the transfer of wealth from greater Europe into the US happened then, you know, and I think that's 
Yeah, and look, you could have a you could you, we could open up a story about the Great Depression that obviously originated in the U.S. Whether or not that was actually uh, not real, but whether or not it was manufactured to to create the uh, the need for the Federal Reserve, and you know, these are the and again, how dark and how deep do you want to get? That's that's the problem with this stuff. Yeah, you know, and I mean, there's not. I don't know how much pushback there is now, even today in America, uh, when we talk about, you know, Morgan's influence on the situation, because JP Morgan Mm -hmm. spread a bunch of rumors uh, saying the banks were insolvent, which caused the rush on the banks, right? Like there was, Mm -hmm. there was definitely a reason why everybody tried to withdraw their money. And when they went to withdraw their money and they couldn't, the great depression happened. So, you know, that was all based according to what I've read on, you know, rumors started most likely by JP Morgan, but, mm-hmm. you know, you said world war one, and this is where you find the, uh, the birth of the, of the, the BIS, the bank of international settlements. Mm-hmm. So that bank was created by the central banks essentially to, um, uh, as an intergovernmental agreement between Germany, Belgium, France, the UK, Italy, Japan, and the U S Ironically, all of the people involved in World War II, um, <laughs> you know, and who owns the BIS? The central banks own the BIS, yeah, exactly. of course, as yeah, we yeah. said, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So essentially what happened was after World War I, the Germans uh, were found guilty of starting a war and causing a lot of problems, mm-hmm. obviously, and they were owed, uh, they owed reparations to a lot of countries. Um, and so this bank was formed after the Treaty of Versailles to oversee the payment of those reparations. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, interestingly enough, most of the people involved didn't think that the Germans were actually gonna carry through with this. They had no Mm -hmm. faith in them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when you kind of learn about the Young plan. And so uh, Owen D. Young, he was the head of RCA at the time uh, and member of the Rockefeller Board of Trustees, essentially pitched a debt forgiveness loan, uh, which was coordinated ultimately and executed by JP Morgan. So, you know, what they did was they gave them a loan that consolidated their reparation debt, made money off that, um, and then we're going to oversee the payment on that. Um, Now, you know, what was interesting about this was it was established in 1930. Um, In 1931, uh, you know, uh, President Hoover declared a moratorium against this because he felt that the the coming economic crisis was was too severe and we couldn't ask Germany to repay this at the time. So, uh, you know, he, he put a stop on the reparation payments after they got this loan and received it. Um, and then eventually a year later from that, 1932, this debt was canceled completely. Um, you know, and I'm talking about the reparation debt, not the loan debt, right? So they still no, no, owe no. the they're money still to pay, the They're banks. still paying interest. They're still paying interest here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They just didn't know it to the countries that they had yeah. tore up because of World War One. That, that, that's one um, of my other. That's one of my other thing. You think no one cares, Dan? Stop paying your bills, mate. I care. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely, my friend. Yeah. Um, but you know, this was uh, you know, one of their one of their things that they were doing was they were kind of responsible for moving gold around uh, the various European central banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were supposed to be shut down multiple times because there was no purpose for them anymore. You know, once the reparations thing had been cleared out, there was really no need for the BIS. But somehow it, it carried on and continued and uh, people made sure it didn't shut down. So, you know, jump ahead to World War II mm. and the bank says, hey, you know, we understand there's a war going on, but we're going to, you know, remain neutral through all of this. Uh, that good old word neutrality that neutrality, always seems to yeah. come up. 
which yeah. which which which, uh, which really only means that they were selling to both sides, mate. That's the that's the, that doesn't absolutely all sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They weren't neutral. Yeah. They were just supplying everybody. Yeah, and this part of the story gets good because essentially you've got uh, uh, the UK, France, England, and Germany. All their central banks are tied up into the same banking project. And, uh, you know, they start to get worried because they see evidence that the BIS is uh, actually making decisions that are helping the German Nazi party. Mm. And, uh, you know, when you research this, you say, you know, you read that there was evidence of this. Mm. And so, you know, I researched, okay, what's the evidence, you know, and uh, uh, during the outbreak of World War Two, um, if you look at the board of directors for the BIS, you've got uh, Walter Funk, who was a prominent Nazi official. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, a convicted war criminal. Mm -hmm. You've got Emil Poole, who was a Nazi economist. Um, he was responsible for moving European gold that the Nazis looted into the, uh, into the banks of, of Germany. Mm -hmm. um, he's also credited with being the guy who thought up the idea to remove the gold uh, dental fillings of uh, the Jews who were in the concentration camps, uh, which also got added into the the gold uh, supply of the Germans at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, France and England and, and the UK said, listen, this, you know, this isn't acceptable. Um, you know, we can't accept this. And uh, uh, another director at the time was Hermann Schmitz. Uh, he was the uh, IB Farben director. And uh, I don't know if you know much about IB Farben, but they were yeah. a, a, a chemical corporation that created Zyklon B, right? So that was the gas used in the chamber. So mm -hmm. as the, uh, you know, as the Jewish people would come into the camps, they would be uh, removed from their valuables, which again, ended up in the, in the cash of, uh, of wealth. Mm -hmm. And then they were, uh, you know, essentially gassed. There was mm -hmm. a, a million people killed in those camps by that gas. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, 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 you know, to, to not think that, that, you know, IG Farber isn't bad enough, um, you know, what was their labor force? It was 30,000 uh, Jews in Auschwitz. Mm -hmm. So in addition to using them as slave labor to develop these chemicals, then they decided that they could go ahead and test these chemicals on them as well. Um, so it's just an absolutely ruthless corporation. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it was interesting because when you look at the history of, of uh, this company, they were very sympathetic, uh, part of the German People's Party. They donated to the German People's Party before the Nazi uh, Party came to power. Um, and they were accused at the time of being a Jewish capitalist conspiracy company. Um, and later on, uh, you know, they were one of the biggest donors to the Nazi Party and had cleansed all of their Jewish employees uh, from the company. So, you know, they turned on a dime real quick when it was convenient. And then the Nazis essentially pulled them in and took them over. And they were just uh, essentially uh, working for the Nazi government directly at that point. Mm -hmm. Another one of the, uh, the people sitting on the BIS was Baron von Schroeder. He was a high ranking SS official. Yeah, um, he had the title. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was his title? It was a yeah. Brigadier Fuhrer. Yes, that's the one. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, all these guys that I'm talking about, all convicted war criminals, all mm. terrible people. Mm. You know, if I if I tried to tell the story of uh, of some banking officials that were uh, uh, doing responsible for this stuff, you know, at the highest levels, you know, I'd be considered a nut job at the time. Mm. Um, but sure, you know, now we know today that this was a a bank uh, overseeing uh, all the central banks that was uh, rooting for the Nazis all along. You know, and there's a 
and the rich history. The question, the, the question I've got there, mate, is how many of these guys fell into Operation Paperclip and how many of these guys fell into the Russian operation? Like how many of them were actually uh, hung or, you know, punished? I know a percentage of them were, but as a percentage of these dark figures became the background of, you know, the, the post-World War II American governmental officials and projects and then the Russian governmental officials and projects, you know, like we like to be, you know, I had, um, I don't know if you listened to the episode with Bob, Bob Newton, he was a fascinating guy. He's going to come back on soon. We're going to talk about megaliths instead of the chaos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and his question, and it really messed with my head, man, because his question was who won world war two, you know what I mean? Like who actually, you know, what in the real, if you nail it down, you know, because of like because of what you're talking about, because of the money, because of the 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 brains behind the operation, because of all of that stuff, actually they didn't get killed, right? It was all the people that got killed, and then the you know mm-hmm. a fair percentage of these these background demonic people were were absorbed into our modern politics, basically, or the modern governments. You know, from you know as you say, England, France, Germany, Russia, America. You know, like. Yeah, this is this is, this is yeah, the issue no. with some yeah. of this stuff, you know. Well, I think it raises the uh, very important question of, uh, you know, it, this bank was uh, overseeing, you know, the money on every side of this war, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, including mm-hmm. the reconstruction. That's right. So there was at no point through this were they not making uh, huge amounts of money together. Because mm. uh, let's be honest, we all always remember that the owners of this bank are all the banks, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, it's interesting. And, you know, it, it, these weren't the only fascist bankers around, you know, cause when you look at American history, um, there was, and UK, there was a lot of sympathy for the Nazis. People mm. loved Hitler before he started doing some of these more, oh, you know, he was, he was, he was times man of the year. Wasn't he? There's that famous thing where he was, yeah, you know, there was all these op-eds yeah. in time and all this sort of he was times man of the year and his castles are amazing and he's doing amazing things for his people. And, you know, look, and this, this is, this stuff's lost to history, you know, it's like, you know, and look, pro, yeah. you know, prior to 1941, America was selling to both sides prior to 1917, America was selling to both sides. They were giving, you know, and still is, I mean, yeah. let's be clear. Still absolutely. Is, you know? Absolutely. And you know, you talk about, you know, these people who are in charge of the bombs are also in charge of rebuilding it. Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, just choose D or the above. It's like, we got all these yeah. bombs, we need to drop them. Oh, and I've just got the contract to to build the houses after we bombed them. So, you know, it's isn't like... Isn't that convenient? Isn't that convenient? You know, and it's like, <laughs> you know, and you know, the, the, the one of the twisted stories out of Afghanistan is like, you know, both Australian soldiers and American soldiers, because we fought side by side since World War One uh, in whatever conflict. They're guarding the poppy fields. Where did the poppy fields yeah. go to? They fed the pharmaceutical industrial complex, which we could have a very, you know, we just, we can just mic drop that there because we've been under that regime for the last two years, you know? And then, you know, the, yeah. bit of, the bit of research that I've done into that, the banking behind that, the money that's behind the pharmaceutical industrial complex is probably the, the same twisted group of people, mate. You know what I mean? Like it's not, there is no mm-hmm. difference, you know? You follow the money the of of what's going on at the moment, you know, like it's insane. And I bet you it all leads back to the same people you're talking about. You know, it's like we're just being manipulated and controlled 
at a, at a base level, you know? Well, you know, when we, again, when we picked apart the BIS, um, you know, the, the names Rockefeller and Morgan, again, come up often, yeah. they were yeah. involved with the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, after World War II, uh, and all the things that, uh, you know, this board of directors had been involved with, it was, you know, very obvious to everyone that this bank needed to be shut down. And, uh, of course, there was orders put into effect to shut it down. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Keynes, uh, you know, the, uh, the architect of Keynesian economics yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. we live under today, uh, yeah, he it's fought working really real well, hard to keep the bank open. Yeah, yeah. He's a great, great addition to our historical record. Um, he and got that, it all right, essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's working <laughs> perfectly. And I suppose, you know, I mean, you can, yeah. you can follow that pull that on that thread and then it obviously ends in kennedy you know kennedy trying to say listen he, that was one of his things wasn't it? these central banks are no good these secret societies are no good if we don't shut this down they're going to take over and control everything and then yeah mm-hmm. then a, then a lone gunman took a lucky shot <laughs> yeah well you know kennedy's a whole nother interesting piece because uh you know but i guess i guess i should back up so before i jump into kennedy Um, You know, one of the things that's always interested me in this country was um, there's a great a great piece of history that no Americans seem to know about. And uh, that's called the banking plot. Mm -hmm. So, again, if I told you there was a group of fascist American bankers who uh, concocted a plan to overthrow FDR and the American government and install an authoritarian dictator, you would tell me or most people would tell me I'm a crazy Um, But in fact, when you look into the banking plot, you realize this was a real thing. So, um, and I would love to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, no, let's do it, man. Absolutely. (laughs) Let's do it. I want to hear Um, because I don't know about this one either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is a fascinating part of American history. Before you start, Dan, the the problem is that you're not, you're not, you're just disturbing me, mate. You know what I mean? You're I know. I'm sorry. I've, I've, I've. you know, I know a little bit about some of this stuff you're talking about and you're just basically expanding it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's been totally fucked from the start. That's good. That's really good to know. Uh, and here we are today, you know, fighting for our basic freedoms yeah. across the world. Uh, however, take tell us about the banking plot. How are they going to, because I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, we talk, you know. Before, we, you, before we get there, mate, just a, a quick question. Because you talk about banking and money and stuff like that. Obviously. Yeah. The, the, the pandemic is slowing. Uh, I don't know what's happening over in the US, but we've got accelerating prices, uh, basically, of every single commodity, fuel, food, everything. Like it's, it's Yeah, it's same here. Inflation is rampant right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so, I mean, and if we talk about banking, what is the next step of control, mate? You know what I mean? You, 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 you outprice, you know, you don't pay anybody anymore, but you outprice basically everything. You know, like, and it's, it's, yeah. it's scary stuff, man. Anyway, I'm, I'm sure that's part of the banking plot. So, so share with us. <laughs> well, you know, uh, as we have these debates today of what's going on and uh, the word fascism gets thrown around a lot, um, you know, I think it's important to think about, you know, the, the fascism that encapsulated uh, the power structure, uh, you know, back in the day was Mussolini style capital or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Mussolini style fascism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mussolini said that fascism was the merger of the corporation and the state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, if, if that's not the description of what we're living through today, um, I don't know what is. So, yeah, the, uh, the banking plot was a fascinating 
tale in American history where um, essentially uh, a group of uh, banking uh, elite. Um, the what names. Year, have what, been, what are we talking uh, about, it's, mate? Post World War Two, or where where set set the scene, mate? We'd... So this is. Uh, yeah, this is um, this is uh, around the New Deal time with the FDR administration, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a lot of a lot of the elite didn't like what they were seeing coming from FDR at the time, so they decided that he was going to be a problem and he needed to be removed. So the plan was to uh, to remove him from power and install uh, an authoritarian dictator. So um, they debated about who the best candidate for this would be, and uh, there was a general. His name was. Uh, Smedley Butler, who was wildly popular at the time, he yeah, was I know. I know. Uh, a veteran, uh, a veteran of the wars, and uh, you know, I, uh, he he wrote the book "War Is a Racket." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, later, after all this, but uh, essentially, what happened was he led a protest of World War One veterans uh, into Washington, where he demanded that they uh, be taken care of in terms of health care and benefits and things yes. like that. Yes, yes, and still, no, no, no. you know the what goes on today yeah Mm -hmm. so he was uh considered a great american hero and these bankers decided that if they could uh if he was uh not a big fan of fdr that he would be the perfect person to lead this plot Uh, um, to be installed and be the figurehead of it yeah just for your reference and just for everyone else who's listening uh jocko willing did an excellent review of that book war is a racket uh across a couple of different episodes uh well worth well worth a listen well worth a listen. That's I was not that. aware of that, so I'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that's all I thought you might not be. Yeah, it's a Jocko reviews because I think after the fall of Afghanistan, you can imagine how Jocko feels, uh, and sure. he's been reviewing some of these texts, uh, and where yeah, he did do Smedley Butler's War is a Racket, and that was two or three or four episodes. I can't remember, but yeah, twelve hours of my life that was a little disturbing because obviously layered on with his experience that Jocko has had over the years. Um, in the you know in the way he does it, it's very interesting mate so check that one out but anyway smedley but yeah no i will i'm really glad to hear that jocko dived into that um you know so before this was written uh by general smedley butler um you know so this group of fascist bankers uh they were big fans of hitler big fans of what Mussolini was preaching um you know they went to him and they basically said listen you know uh fdr is uh is a threat to american democracy uh, we need to remove him because he's, you know, his, he's obviously a socialist and uh, probably in line with the communists. So we need a, we need somebody like yourself to step in and, and, and take over and, uh, you know, we'll work through all the details and uh, get back to American democracy eventually. Um, and uh, Butler said, okay, yeah, that, no, that, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's go with that. And uh, really, you know, obviously Butler was a great American patriot mm. and uh, he knew what these guys were up to was, uh, was you know, very, very threatening. Uh, so what he did was he wanted to gather as much information about this plot as he could from the inside. And uh, he reached out to a member of Congress and uh, informed him of what was going on and then kind of worked as, a, you know, as an agent at that point to unveil uh, or reveal as much as possible about what this plot was and what it meant to, uh, to American uh, order. Mm. So, uh, you know, he went all the way to the very end with these guys and then, uh, you know, revealed what he had learned. Um, all these, you know, all these people got dragged into congressional hearings. They were all found guilty of treason. Um, and then at the last minute, uh, FDR swoops in and uh, uh, basically exonerates them all. 
and uh, wipes their names from the, uh, the books of history. There's a few names that have gotten out there over the years. Um, it sounds like, uh, based on my research, that you know, Morgan and Rockefeller were definitely involved. So mm -hmm. while they were clearly involved with the, uh, the European system uh, and the fascist model, they were also pushing it in America simultaneously. And then of course, uh, the name Prescott Bush comes up. Yeah. And uh, you know, a deep dive into Prescott Bush reveals that he was running a bank in America during World War II that was mm -hmm. funneling Nazi money. Yes. So yes. it doesn't surprise me that he would be, you know, involved and implicated in this, even though his name's been wiped from the record. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, a lot of people don't realize this happened, but it did. And uh, why FDR decided to, uh, yeah, to turn a blind eye to yeah, it? Yeah, that was going to be my question. It's why an interesting part of the history of it. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, his family was very powerful and they, you know, they rubbed elbows with all these people and maybe they come to, came to some understanding. Who knows? They did a you know, deal that's behind all, closed uh, doors. I mean, that, you know, I can only speculate, but, uh, you know, but that's all historical fact. Again, it sounds like a completely made up story until you dig in. And, you know, once again, you find that uh, uh, conspiracy is real. It happens. And, uh, you know, the people who don't understand that there's this history uh, from our governments of, of, you know, pulling off these types of schemes uh, are really a lying lot. to themselves. A lot. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's yeah. not, it's yeah. not, it's, you know, and I think one of the one of my big struggles over the last couple of years, Dan, has been how how far common sense and critical thinking has just gone the way of the dodo. Like, yeah. if if you spend fifteen minutes looking at like as 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 the current narrative is falling apart day by day now, even though the governments of the world are still pushing it, that's why we've got uh, you know LRADs and mounted police attacking people that just want to do their job uh mm -hmm. it's how 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 is it like if in 2019 i had said you well not you but if i you said you grab a general person yeah the government and the pharmaceutical industrial complex has got your best interests at heart 90 percent of people would have said no they don't no one trusted <laughs> the governments in 2019 you know we we, we 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 were quite clearly seeing the opioid crisis and we, you know like it's like it's so clear it was so clear in you know four and a half thousand years ago in 2019 that these entities were not good but given the right trigger you know i think it's one of the things i, I use in my teaching if the if the class is open to it you know if i was to grab a book that had how do you control the human population you know page one rule one is fear and control divide and conquer you know like that's yeah. that's it that's it you know and they they pulled it off uh very well actually very well, but I think they've been being conditioned, and like you say, Prescott Bush leads to George Senior, which leads to you know George Junior, which leads to the Clintons, which you know what I mean. Like it's it, it, there's actually a fairly yeah. easy way to see forward what's going on, you know. And I think I look, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you've got your your American issues. I think part of the issue we have in Australia is I don't think we've ever left the penal colony behind. You know what I mean? I don't think we've ever ever gotten past the fact that we're a prison colony to be perfectly honest and we've been given rope however how quickly majority of the aussies rolled over is is has been very disheartening to me you know it's been very disturbing to me to see that and because it's so clear like you spend 10 minutes just just 10 minutes looking at it and it's quite clearly bullshit and it and i'll be honest i had some fear at the start 
because we didn't know. We didn't know what this thing was, did yeah. we? we? We didn't know, right? And yeah. potentially it could have been a nasty virus. We know that's happened in the past. Um, you know, however, once we sort of realized, well, when I, when I once I started thinking about it and looking at it critically, it's okay, no, this is just a, it's a coronavirus. It's a, it's a flu virus, right? It's, it's another strain yeah. of that. Um, so we don't have to worry about it, but then they shut the world down. Um, you know, and it's like the, 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 the unbelievable narrative that's been pushed. I mean, interestingly, this week, uh, the corporate media, I don't call them mainstream because they are corporate. It's not, it's no, no, let's not pretend that they are. They've actually released statistics now. Is it 91% of the recorded deaths here in Australia had at least one comorbidity uh, or more? So that means essentially Australia has been shut down for 83 people dying. That's the only, that's the, that's how many people have actually died from COVID 83. Yeah. Uh, and, and people are like, Oh really? I'm like, yes, I've been trying to tell you for two years that this is bullshit. You know, this is the yeah. next step in that grand master plan that co- that stems from the stuff that you're talking about, that the Morgans and the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and these you know, whatever their ultimate plan is, I don't know, but it is it is full of conspiracy. And as you say, they've gotten away with it so much that it's, you know, I mean, there's what do you what do you want to where do you want to go next, mate? I suppose where do you want to go next? Do you want? I'm, I'm yeah, interested. No, in, I mean, I'm inter- uh, interested in your thoughts in Kennedy because I've got my own thoughts about that. Yeah, you know, Kennedy was a was a really interesting thing. You know, a lot of people. Um, uh, one of the things I liked studying about Kennedy was his uh, secret society speech. Yes. Um, because a lot of people, you know, we love talking about it and thinking about it. So I, um, I researched it really well. I read it a few times from beginning to end. And he was making a very nuanced argument in that speech that a lot of people don't realize. He was essentially appealing to the press and saying that um, there was kind of a kerfuffle at the time uh, that involved uh Essentially, what he was trying to say was that the government was going to have to be more secretive with the press. Um, they, that, you know, in order to, to establish a national security in a proper way, they were going to have to be a little more secretive. And then he goes on to say that, you know, we despise secrecy and, you know, he... You know, so he's, he's making... Uh, he's, he's, he's doing classic Orwellian doublespeak yeah, in the double speech. Speak, yeah. Yeah, where he's, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, pitch the two uh, opposing ideas uh, together, you know, which is, uh, oh, secrecy is terrible, but listen, we're going to have to be more secret, uh, you know, to protect some national. Uh, now, now, Kennedy was caught up in all sorts of things. I mean, we know the Bay of Pigs, we know everything about Cuba, but when you really look into the, into the stuff that was being pitched to him, um, he did a lot of really bad things, unfortunately, um, you know. Operation Northwoods is one of the more popular ones that yeah. gets talked about a lot. Yeah. I think it got brought up on the JRE the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and this is where the CIA proposed committing acts of terrorism, mm-hmm. uh, hijacking and shooting down American airliners and hurting American citizens as a false flag to go to war with Cuba. Mm-hmm. And Kennedy essentially uh, said no to that. Mm-hmm. But what he did say yes to was Operation Mongoose, right? So Operation Mongoose was after the failed uh, Bay of Pigs invasion, which he was very publicly upset with the CIA about. Uh, 
Well, they came to him and they said, okay, we're sorry. You didn't like that. We've got this idea. And he actually signed off on it. So in 1962, the CIA, with the help of the mafia, which is historical fact, uh, executed 13 acts of terrorism against Cuban civilians, including attacks against electric power plants, oil refineries, uh, sugar mills. And uh, these attacks were so bad that Castro called up Khrushchev and he's like, hey, these Americans are out of control. We don't know what to do about this. And uh, Khrushchev said, I got an idea. Let's put some you know, missiles over there. So Operation Mongoose, Kennedy signed off on it, approved it, and it led directly to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, right. And everybody likes to talk about the, uh, the missiles we had in Turkey pointed at Russia. Mm. But the reality is uh, Operation Mongoose was running through the Cuban Missile Crisis and uh, didn't stop until Kennedy realized that um, if he wanted to avoid nuclear war, he was going to have to quit this operation. Yeah, and uh, he quit the operation uh, behind closed scene, you know, behind closed doors. He made the deal with Khrushchev um, and uh, we pulled out of Cuba and uh, we've been out, you know, in a way ever since. Mm. Um, so, you know, as much as I want to think that Kennedy was a great hero, yeah. um, I think that it was hopefully Operation Mongoose and the Cuban Missile Crisis mm. that actually took this guy who was rooted in the power structure in of the American system, yeah. Uh, yeah. politics. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, his dad, Joseph Kennedy, was a well-known uh, admirer of Hitler as well. Another mm, fascist. Yes, yes, yes. Um, wasn't yeah, Joseph Kennedy, wasn't he was yeah. the ad- adversary in England or something like that? And he was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. He spent and, yeah, time yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, you know, I think Kennedy was, uh, you know, was part of the operation, uh, like, like all American presidents are tied into all of this. And mm. I think that when he went through all this stuff with Mongoose and uh, Northwoods, and the Bay of Pigs and all this stuff, and then the Cuban Missile Crisis, mm. uh, you know, which almost could have destroyed the world, I think he realized that it was time to do something, right? And that's when uh, uh, he finally had the goal to uh, stand up to the CIA, and uh, he fired Alan Dulles, um, and he started making some changes to move away from and actually dismantling the CIA. Mm. And that's when, uh, you know, that's when he gets shot in the head. I was just going to say, yeah, uh, it worked, worked out real well for him. He yeah. Did, he did a good job. Yeah. yeah. And, know, and, and of course, they convened. Oliver uh, Stone for this. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah, Oliver Stone is, I haven't seen his new thing uh, come out yet, the JFK stuff. There's it's so many, great, man. It's, it's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, it's I, 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 remember, I remember like the, the Kevin Costner movie is very excellent. Um, and yeah. I think uh, it's so hard, man. Like how do you – because, I mean, obviously he doesn't disband the CIA, which is, which is what he wanted to do. He gets shot in the head. And then what, fast forward three or four years and you've got the Gulf of Tonkin, which never happened, uh, you know, and then yeah. fast forward yeah. 10 years later and – hundreds of thousands of men on both sides and who knows what else and another failed military campaign, you know? Um, yeah. It's so dark, man, you know? And, and, and what people, I think the other thing that people don't understand is that all these names may sound familiar to some of the Australian listeners and definitely the American listeners because they're still in power today, mate. It's not like it's changed. It's not like, these people aren't still running behind the scenes, you know, like these, you know, JP Morgan, you could talk about the financial crisis and they never fix that, you know? And if, if, you know, what's the next step in this game that we're playing, it is the financial squeeze. You know, I think, uh, you know, my wife, she came back from the shops before we started today and she paid $8 for four oranges, you know, like 
Oh my god! You know, like this is this is where we're at. Um, you know, and do you know what she's going to do with those four oranges, Dan? She's going to make quinine um, because we've got a few friends down here with the spicy cough, and we're actually been making homemade elderberry and quinine, and you know, supplying people with pre-treatment uh, protocols. Awesome. You know, because we can't get them from the bloody doctor. Like, how ridiculous is that? However, that's that's where we're at yeah. at this point in time. You know. Um, yeah, where do you want to go, mate? Where do you want to go? This is all very positive and uplifting. <laughs> no, man. I, you know, I think uh, I think we're heading in a great direction. I, it, I, I think my AirPods are uh, are running out of juice. I'm not really sure why. Are you okay if we take a break for a quick second? I'm gonna switch over to uh, uh, to a different audio because I think these guys are gonna give out on me any minute here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's and, have a look. Uh, and can, pick up uh, where we left off. Yeah, we can pause it for the second. Uh, we'll just pause for the second, okay. guys, and we'll be back. And we're back, mate. Well, one thought I had while we were just, uh, you know, you mentioned Dulles and Kennedy and all that sort of stuff. You guys have a really good way of naming airports and massive monuments as a as a as a testament <laughs> to these people. But a percentage of them are actually yeah. evil, nasty men. You know what I mean? Not exactly. Yeah. You know, but it, but again, is that not the narrative, mate? You know, that's the narrative. Yeah, we name this. You know, there's the Dulles Airport. You know, there's all this sort of stuff. Oh, this was a great American. He was a great American and he was a, a patriot. That's, a, that's the term, isn't it? The, he was a great American patriot and we must honour him. Yeah. You know, but these people... We love, we, we love patriotism here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where did you want to go, mate? We had a bit of a chat about Kennedy. Uh, we talked about Northwoods and, and uh, you know, I think we can leave the Gulf of Tonkin. That one's pretty well established. Um, but but where, where do you want to take us, mate? Where do you want to take us? Um, well, you know, I think it's important to mention, uh, you know, before we totally move on from Kennedy and Dulles, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, Kennedy, obviously he fired Dulles um, and then uh, Kennedy got shot in the head mm-hmm. and then they put together the Warren Commission. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what's interesting to me was who they chose to lead the Warren Commission, which yes. was uh, <laughs> Alan Dulles. Yes. You know, right. so, you know. <laughs> Oliver Stone, he's already covered all this. I really yeah. recommend to people if they want to learn more about this to go to his new documentary because he's uncovered a lot of information. His movie um, uh, inspired a lot of people to be interested. Uh, mm-hmm. They fired a lot of Freedom of Information Act uh, stuff and they got a lot of stuff uh, opened up. And then they went and studied all this stuff and, uh, and then brought it to this documentary. So needless to say, by the end of it, anyone who isn't completely convinced that uh, the CIA was responsible for this, like every other conspiracy that's well documented uh, and being real, um, we're also involved with, you know? So I guess, you know, I just wanted to put, touch on a couple more things um, in this regard, because it's important as we discuss these conspiracies, um, you know, for people to understand that, you know, the stuff that we're talking about right now is all real. It really happened, mm-hmm. you know? This is all you can go to the congressional record, the Senate committees, you can find all this stuff. It's, it was all real. So to think that we're not capable of these things is, uh, is outdated. And honestly, you know, as a people, we should be much, much smarter about it all. Um, well, I think the problem with critical thinking, Dan, is that it takes time, mate. And you have to be able to be objective yeah. and let go of your misconceptions or your preconceptions about what you think is real. And I think that's because 
and I would say, uh, whether or not you agree or not, is they've designed – look, we don't – the system no longer serves us, right? We serve the system. You'd understand that by now. It's, yeah. you know, it's nothing to do with us serve, uh, it's serving us. We serve it. And because it's such, you know, day-to-day existence is so hard just to exist day-to-day in the modern world that applying critical thinking to this stuff, and I think to a, to a degree as well, we've been dumbed down. A, a fair percentage of the population has been dumbed down to accept these narratives. And I think that's what makes it difficult. Uh, because as you say, like, you know, and it's the same with anything, you know, choose, choose a topic. This stuff is real. You can research it. It's not like we're pulling things out of thin air. This is, it is what it is. Right. Um, right. But in order to get to that place, you must be able to think critically and release whatever preconceptions you have, which is the difficult part. Cause then you've got to admit that you were wrong. You know, you've got to admit that, you know, well, you know, I think what people need to admit is that, uh, uh, they put belief where belief wasn't deserved. You know, they, they wanted to believe an idea and at some point they're going to have to admit uh, that that idea is just an idea. It's not a reality that, that any of us are living with. Well, everything um, is just an idea, Dan. That's, that's, that's yeah. in, in order to understand that you know nothing, the first thing you must understand is that everything's just an idea, man. No one really knows, yeah. right? You know, the, no one really knows the answer to anything. If we want to, you know, that's a bit of a nihilistic approach. However, it is true at the same time. You know, we have to understand that anything that we believe is just a, a preconceived idea that's been shared with us. So, you know, that that can be scary, uh, but it can also be quite freeing as well. You know, I think if you can... Absolutely. That can send you into a mental place where it's not healthy, but it also can send you into, okay, well, if no one knows anything and nothing's real, then maybe we need to have an open perspective with everything. And through that, we can try to gain a a true picture, try and truly put the jigsaw together, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because as we were, as I was going through all this and then, you know, I was working with my buddy that I was telling you about, um, you know, I proposed to him, I said, listen, uh, uh, let's think of uh, the craziest conspiracy theory that gets dismissed all the time, you know, and, um, um, he said chemtrails, right? Everybody loves to make fun of people that believe in chemtrails. Yeah, chemtrails is a juicy one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everybody loves that one. That's that's a fantastic one. So I was like, oh, let's, you know, let's look into this. Let's see where it goes just for fun. And uh, it didn't take me very long to pull up uh, Operation Sea Spray. This so was Operation one of the ones that I wanted you to talk about. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, this one's interesting, man. So, you know, from 1949 to 1969, uh, you know, the, the U.S. government was conducting uh, open air tests of biological agents, uh, including uh, uh, a release of live bacteria over the city of San Francisco. Um, and now they were using a bacteria that's uh, uh, pretty, pretty common. It's actually um, uh, found if you uh, if you kind of look, if you ever see like maybe you weren't keeping up with cleaning and you see some uh, some black stuff in your tile grout. Mm-hmm. That's actually the same bacteria that they released on the population. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what it's tied to is, uh, is UTIs and uh, hospital infections and things like that. So, um, you know, they claim they weren't trying to hurt anybody. Um, they were doing this in, uh, uh, they were working with the UK to, to understand this uh, experiment. And essentially, 
Um, to learn more about it, you have to dig into the UK's dice trials. Mm -hmm. So from uh, 1971 to 1975, the uh, uh, UK uh, decided that they wanted to um, figure out what would happen if they sprayed an area um, along the coast. So they had one aircraft flying along the coast, spraying an agent, uh, and they realized that it could contaminate a target over 100 miles away, over a 10,000 square miles area. And this was known as large area coverage. Right. And uh, the UK was using uh, zinc cadmium sulfide Mm -hmm. uh to conduct these tests now at the time you know they claimed that it was um they thought it was harmless uh now it's known to be a cancer causing agent yeah um Especially so you know, even if you give too. them the benefit of the doubt you know yeah of course you know even if you give them the benefit of the doubt uh you still find uh, a situation where they were uh, spraying chemicals on the American populace and the, and the British populace uh, without their knowledge. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a lot of things that came from this. Uh, it was, uh, uh, there was metals that came from this that got into the soils and ruined some of the soils and things mm -hmm. like that. And some people got sick. They think that maybe there was some cancer that came as a, a result of this. But what fascinates me is we took the most ridiculous conspiracy we could think of and then found a direct link to it uh, that's Within, been proven yeah. historically to have existed. So, you know, uh, anyone who's looking into chemtrail conspiracy could say to themselves that, uh, you know, realistically, this comes from the Operation Sea Spray and Dice Trials. Yeah. Um, because uh, that's kind of where these, you know, this story originated from. But then you've um, got to then ask the question, mate, if they did it back then, are they still, you know what I mean? Are they still doing it now? Is that, is that you know what I mean? Like, right. how, how do you, how do right. you know that? How do you how, that's the problem with this stuff? It's like, okay, they got away with yeah. it then, you know, with, with the eternal distractions that are available to us in 2022. They could be doing anything. Yeah. You know? and, and that that's that's the problem with this stuff. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, you know, what I find interesting is that when you uh when you step back from this, you know, and you you know, I think I I mentioned this to you that. Um, if you look back to the history of the CIA, the original, uh, you know, version of it was the yeah, SOS the or uh, the OSS. Yeah. The OSS. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, uh, we, you know, we need, it, we need an SOS, shared... mate. Don't worry. We need an SOS. Yeah, SOS, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, I don't know if that was a Freudian slip, but it was a good one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, um, but yeah, it was interesting because I shared with you that my grandfather was actually uh, part of that mission uh, during World War II when it got formed. And uh, what he did was uh, he posed as a journalist photographer and uh, went into North Africa and was scouting uh, with lots of other people, mm. um, you know, a route for the allies to come in mm -hmm. uh, and essentially uh, and get into the, the combat theater. Mm -hmm. um, and I have great pictures of him um, in all plain clothes. I never see anything where he's in a uniform. No, no, no. Um, and uh, yeah, and all of his stuff got left to me uh, through my grandmother. And uh, it includes various uh, African translations and things wow. like that for language so that he could communicate. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, when I started digging into this and trying to understand it because my grandfather was a part of it, you know, what I found was, the, you know, the OSS was originally uh, created um, as a counterintelligence operation. Yes, so yes, yes. Uh, not only were they supposed to gather intelligence, but they were supposed to, uh, 
you know, the, uh, be a counterintelligence operation. Yeah. So um, one of the things I found interesting was uh, one of their first operations was when they uh, essentially uh, dis- decided that they wanted to figure out how long it would take for a news story to travel around the globe. Yes. So they yes. started a, yes. a rumor a that yeah. Hitler had yeah. syphilis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So they they basically uh, spread a, a rumor that that Hitler had syphilis, and then they tracked how long it took to get around the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was an experiment that they ran. And to this day, when you research Hitler, you'll often like come across oh Hitler had syphilis. Yeah, yeah that's a common common um, thing. Yeah. 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 And they try to like maybe explain that away as why, you know, he went crazy towards the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think you know, he really went, he went crazy towards the run. end because of the mixture of drugs that fat doctor was having him on. Like some of the stuff that he was on. Yeah. Was insane. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's only actually, Kennedy you, was on better stuff. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you talk about, uh, conspiracies, right? And then here's an interesting one about the the Blitzkrieg. So yeah. there's there's a line of research that suggests that the entire German army was hopped up on amphetamine, right? And that's yeah. that's actually that's the reason they could march for three days straight. You know what I mean? Like that's the reason yeah. they were so yeah. hyped up and ready to go, is that they they were using pharmaceuticals and you know in particular uppers and amphetamine to to bolster their army to make those lightning moves like you know i mean and you go oh yeah that's a conspiracy but then you you learn about you know the special forces from america the special forces from australia i know some boys that were in in both of those things like yeah yeah for sure they gave us uppers and downers and you know whatever whatever we needed to get through the mission you know like that's 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 not a conspiracy that is what it still happens to this day you know so it's it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting stuff. I it? don't, uh, Triff. I don't. Honestly, man, I don't even think that is uh, debated anymore. I think it's no. pretty commonly accepted that yeah. that was the uh, that was what fueled the Blitzkrieg and enabled them to be as effective as they were so quickly. Mm. So mm. I, I think you're spot on with that, man. I don't even think anybody's arguing about that anymore. I think no. that's pretty accepted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, you know, um, but again, but if you but, had said that five years ago, if you had said that five years ago, people would have been against you. Whereas now. It's uh, it's readily accepted, you know. That's yeah. how, how these well, things evolve. Know, it, it takes a lot of time, but eventually, you know, the truth comes out. And uh, you know, one of the things that was important about kind of understanding this counterintelligence aspect um, is that the the function of the CIA at this point is not only to gather intelligence, but to make sure they muddy the waters mm. um, so that the enemy, uh, enemy quote air quotes. Uh, mm-hmm isn't able to discern what's real and what's not. So, um, you know, I really believe this is where the fuel for the, uh, the criticisms and the, uh, and all of the real, you know, uh, uh, lambasting that goes on against conspiracy theory, because they are actively creating these false narratives around, right. A real, around real psyops, real Mm -hmm. intelligence campaigns, so that uh, when you focus in on these things, uh, you see all this crazy stuff, and then you can't discern what's real and what's not. So it's all nonsense, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, I mean, yeah, we work on the uh, when we look into any of this sort of conspiracy stuff, we sort of work on what if one percent is true. You know, like if right. you take all right. the tens of thousands of documents about choose your conspiracy theory, if you work on the what if one percent is true. 
You know what I mean? If 1% is true, then the world should be turned on its head with this sort of stuff. You know, if you just take 1%, I think it's more than 1%, but in order to be objective, you know, what if 1% is true? You know, what if 1% is true about all the conspiracies we've talked about today? What if 1% is true about the the UFO stuff? What if 1% is true about, you know, the weird stuff they say about the moon? You know, what if 1% is true about all these big, deep things? Because you are right, mate. The, The disinformation is is unbelievable you know you talk about plants in protest crowds you know like you talk about mm-hmm. um you know you know we, you know you could talk about the pallets of bricks that rocked up at all the protest spots in america you know what i mean yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah. everyone's like oh the construction workers left them behind i've been in construction we don't leave pallets of bricks around the place okay you don't anyway that's a that's another yeah that's that's not how uh construction companies work they no. uh no. They're in it to make money, not yeah. to not to lose money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. But but it, this comes to my point of you know like I think the you know the the fun thing to talk about at this point I think would be uh, uh, Epstein, right? So oh yes, there's uh, a juicy one. Yeah, so this is a perfect example of what uh, the point I'm trying to make. So uh, you've got uh, you've got a, an interesting uh, situation where you've got Trump running against Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got this this story that's about to just blow up and there's nothing that you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it involves uh, everyone at the highest levels. I mean, you've got Bill Clinton, you've got uh, the prince who just settled uh, out of court to keep yeah. this uh, from, from moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Bill Gates tied up in this thing. You've got Trump himself photographed with Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell everywhere. And, uh, you know, you have essentially an elite cabal of pedophiles mm-hmm. uh, about to kind of take some hits and take yeah. some damage. Yeah. So, you know, what happens simultaneously at the exact same moment, the birth of QAnon, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. here's QAnon. It takes the most ridiculous information that has uh, uh, nothing, nothing and everything to do with this story mm-hmm. and uh, spins it at the exact same time that you have uh, all of this news breaking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we all know the QAnon story, it just happened, but, uh, you know, what was it? It was uh, was a conspiracy theory that got spread Mm -hmm. on the internet Mm -hmm. um, that involved a a global pedophile ring Mm -hmm. uh, and then ended up about a pizza parlor in the end, right? So you have a complete nonsensical farce going on in the background of, the biggest news story that probably has ever hit the political establishment of the globe. Yes. And uh, everybody just uh, tap dances away. Epstein supposedly kills himself with all the cameras off and all the guards. Yeah, of course he there. did. Of course he did. Yeah, he killed and, himself. And, uh, you know, that's a, it's a perfect example of uh, you've got a story coming. You need to protect the powerful. So you run a disinformation mm-hmm. campaign that takes all the thunder out of it and all the attention away. And uh, all of a sudden, everyone just moves on and it's all good. And for me, that's the perfect example. It is the perfect example. I mean, and there's so many things. Again, uh, uh, it it seems like I'm referencing Jocko again, but he's got another podcast called Unraveling. And uh, Mm -hmm. he does it with a guy, Daryl Cooper, who does Martyr Made. And he's been looking into Epstein deep, man. Like Epstein's connections yeah. with secret society, uh, with um, secret service, and whether it be Israel or, like, as you say, the 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 depth of the Epstein thing is so unbelievable. 
that you wouldn't even you crazy. Couldn't, it's unbelievable. Like, and I've, I've sort of been listening to that and keeping an eye on it, you know, and I saw a good meme, you know, the internet always wins in the end, doesn't it? There was a meme. It's like, Oh, so we've got the names of all the Canadian truckers that are currently, and look, all, and this is the thing, their bank accounts have been frozen. Every time they get donated fundraising, their accounts have been frozen. Like that, the, what's going on with those guys is unbelievable, but we don't have the, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's list of contacts. You know what I mean? Like, how is that? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I mean, if you just look at the story of her dad, I mean, her dad yeah, was, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's pretty, pretty and Maxwell safe wasn't to say it, he Maxwell was wasn't even his name. MI6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maxwell yeah, wasn't even his yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when he died, when he died, the king of Israel and, you know, like there was a state funeral in Israel and they, they were like, you know, his contributions to Israel can never be known, but it's it's unbelievable. And like, it yeah. is so twisted, man. And I suppose, and look, the problem is with me is that I go, okay, how do we continue to keep that under wraps? We release mm-hmm. the finest piece of biological warfare the world's ever seen. You know what I mean? You talk about the spray, yeah. you talk about this stuff, you know, what, what are we actually dealing with? Is this the next, sorry, is this the next major conspiracy? You know, like this is the, and yeah. it sort of is now, isn't it? Right. It's like they're slowly releasing the real data. Like I said, you know, the tens of thousands of people have committed suicide. Tens of thousands of businesses have shut in Australia. Um, you know, I chose not to participate in the medical experiment, so I can't be a teacher face to face, which is just ridiculous. Um Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's, look, man, it is what it is. I, I'll I will hold the line, mate. I have to. It's you, you know, and it's it's it is what it is, man. You know, I it, and I've had you know plenty of my friends of you know they didn't want to lose their jobs, so they did it. Um, but amongst those people, we've got myocarditis, we've got pericarditis, we've got severe reactions, yeah. we've got you know, like it's I could name seventy people right now that uh, are going to have life long complications because they chose to do that uh and what's interesting about pretty much everybody we know is that they've contracted the the b virus you know so it's like you and is this the next conspiracy what is what is actually going on man you know what i mean like this is the because if you start talking about this then you've only got to layer it onto what's happened the last couple of years and and the, the control and the economics and it's um but yeah, Epstein, how do we, I think, it, I don't know whether this was true or not. And it's hard. To, and the, because of the disinformation too, Dan, I think you'll agree. Mm-hmm. It's hard to sift through what is true and what is not. Uh, and that's part of the plan, isn't it? That's, that's the whole reason they do it. That's the, that's what we say. That's the disinformation. Yeah. And that's the uh, point. Yeah. yeah. That's the point, right? That we can't, we can't identify what's real and what's not. But I, apparently the judge said of the Maxwell, Mac, Maxwell trial he basically, it was like he ordered the, the court documents sealed because it was worse than any of the conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah which is often the case. Yeah. Which is often the case. You know, it's like, you know? and when, when did, in this system, did we not, as a people, deserve to know? You know, like, how is it, like, do you, actually, you, you want to expand on the, the pedophile stuff, is uh, in Australia, there's a 90-year hold on, a, uh, on an investigation and basically that investigation has brought up that majority of our ooh, must be a that's some thunder must have a storm coming uh, there's a 90 year hold on a pedophile investigation that basically goes to the upper levels of our parliament and has done for the last 30 years 
But us yeah, as Australian I, people, I've read we about that a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we can't know about that. Like, how is that? You know, what are we doing here, man? How do we? How does it get to a point where we don't, as the Australian people or as people of the globe, how come we don't need to know about this stuff? Because I think that we do. You know, I think it goes back to, and I cannot. The name is slipping me at the moment. Uh, the report where basically we can't be told about aliens because we'll freak out, right? There was a that was done in yeah, the 1930s. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the report, but anyway, people know what it is. And I think yeah, that's that's yeah. part. I of wanted to say is. Jekyll Island, but I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jekyll it could be Jekyll Island, could be yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. I think that the the powers that be have decided that if we uh, know these things, that we will freak out. And look, I'm sure a percentage of the you know the what we would call sheep uh, as as people would freak out. But some of us and a lot of us, what the internet has done for us, and it's is why we're talking now, isn't it, mate? We've connected across the globe mm-hmm. with a like mind and a like understanding. And those that still think critically, it's not going to be a surprise to us. But if we're truly going to move forward, we need to know. But I suppose then we come back yeah. to the conspiracy and control. How do, we, how do we stop this continuous narrative, which is quite clearly fucking bullshit, stop you know what do we do man because like you know how many examples could we go through it 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 never ends you know you want to talk about uh you know was it the the lsd studies you know what i mean which 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 you know created the unibomber and you know all these sorts of things like oh no please let's 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 go there because uh you know mk ultra is uh, one of the most fascinating pieces of American history that exists. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Church Commission, headed by Senator Nelson Rockefeller, yeah. Yeah. ironically enough, yeah. um, exposed a lot of really interesting truths. Um, it's like you a know, dozen MK names. Ultra, it's like a so yeah, before you yeah. keep going. It's like a dozen names, and you just so they just sort of drop in everywhere. You know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Tell us a bit in culture, though, Mike, because it's fascinating. Well, I mean, we don't have enough time to get into all the details, but <laughs> they, uh, you know, these were mind control experiments yes, that the CIA absolutely. was working on, and yeah. you know, I love Joe. Joe loves talking about this stuff. He's covered yeah, it really well, but yeah. but like you were saying, with the Unabomber being part of the LSD experiments at Harvard, um, let's look at the other people that were part of that study. You have uh, uh, Ken Kesey. Uh, famous author who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was instrumental in creating the uh, acid test parties uh, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with his buddy who also took part in those experiments, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Hunter, who yeah. is a well-known Grateful Dead lyricist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these guys started this movement of uh, this. You know, you've got obviously Timothy Leary, mm-hmm. um, who was encouraging students to tune in or turn on, tune in and, and drop, drop out, out. Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, all Manson, these kids were dropping the out. stuff's yeah. interesting as well. Yeah. Char- Charles Manson, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Chaos, you know, mm-hmm. by Tom O'Neill gets mm-hmm. into this really well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another fascinating book on this subject um, called Strange Scenes Inside the Canyon. Yeah. Uh, the subtext is Laurel Canyon, Covert Ops, and the Dark Heart of the American Dream. I yes. highly recommend yes. this book. Yes. It's my favorite conspiracy theory that I can't prove, but uh, <laughs> he does a great job. I think if you look at chaos and you look at this book and you put yeah. them together, yeah. the sixties becomes a completely different uh, topic of discussion. Perhaps mm. Mm. Um, yeah, it does, man. It does. I mean, yeah. you know, you talk about, um, 
you know, the interesting thing about, you know, when the, when everything was made schedule one, the drugs were made schedule one, you can talk about the fact that I think the, the, the story goes that Nixon, you know, put a heap of scientists on to, to try and find negative effects of, you know, weed and, and acid and all these things. And he couldn't do it. Right. So instead yeah. he just outlawed them all, outlawed them all. And, you know, we still deal with that to this day. I mean, the, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, at least, at least, at least America is beginning to see clear with the, you know, with you, with the, the cannabis stuff. Um, but I mean, how many decades was that, you know, because some yeah. paper mill yeah. guy wanted to, uh, keep his pine forests you know that's the that that's that's yeah. a conspiracy too you know like that's exactly right yeah you know so mate so look we're probably getting towards the end i know it's getting late over where you are uh what's it because look i don't know about you dan but you're coming back mate i really enjoyed this <laughs> we we have to sit down again I, I want to uh you know maybe talk to your journalist friend if he's open to a discussion uh um, Absolutely. You know, I think uh, we could do a tripod there where we could join in and, and, and have a roundtable discussion about many different things. But what's something left of field or, you know, you mentioned uh, archaeoastronomy and, you know, all these sorts of things. Like there's so many, so many topics where we could go. Uh, what's, yeah. what's one you'd like to finish on? Um, you know, I guess the first thing that jumps out at me is, uh, uh, you know, as we're kind of talking about conspiracy theory and, uh, you know, the demonization of it, you know, one of the people that I love to, to talk about, and uh, I'm a big fan of his uh, before he passed, was, uh, was William Cooper. Yes. Um, William, William Cooper is a great story because he was a naval intelligence officer mm -hmm. who saw um, a lot of documents roll through. He had top secret clearance. He was looking at a lot of things about UFOs. And, um, you know, he went out there and, and uh, you know, he really, he really pushed uh, these ideas. And what happened later on in his life was uh, he started talking about the fact that he felt that he had been shown things um, purposefully, that he was uh, purposefully misled in a direction yes. Yes. Um, to believe some things. And uh, he had kind of moved away from uh, his theory of the UFO conspiracy and uh, his thing was he started kind of looking at, uh, at the, the theory of uh, Project Bluebeam, mm -hmm. where um, he seemed to kind of endorse the idea of uh, the fact that there might be a, a, a fake uh, alien uh, contact that could be used to, uh, to garner some, some more power, um, like all of these things seem to do in the end. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for those people that don't know much about William Cooper, he, uh, uh, you know, on uh, uh, June 28th, 2001, he, he went into great detail about uh, um, how there was an attack coming in America and uh, they were going to pin it on uh, Islamic terrorists with connections uh, to the CIA named Osama bin Laden mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who, of course, came through the Mujahideen. Mm -hmm. uh, which was funded by the CIA, mm -hmm. um, and he uh, and, and he talked they were, about they were this. good friends, and, and don't forget that the, uh, the the Bin Ladens were good friends with the Clintons, and like that's a whole twisted. The Bushes, the Bush, the Bush family, yeah, the Bush, particularly, yeah, 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 great, great friends. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, there was even a, one of the Bin Ladens was uh, in Texas, and uh, yeah. was considered a member of the Bush family at that point. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, he uh, he he tried to tell everybody this was uh, this was coming, uh, and without diving into 9/11, uh, you know, 
he Wait, was I mean, uh, justified let, in the end. Yeah, let's uh, – and look, this is not a yes or no question. We're going to make yeah. it. Make it a, is, yeah. is 9-11 one of the next great conspiracies, do you think, or – um, it's too soon to tell because like you were saying with the 90 year lock on the information, this information isn't going to be available for a long, long time till it doesn't matter anymore and we can sift through it. But, mm. you know, what I found interesting was that, uh, you know, it was November 5th, uh, 2001, when uh, William Cooper's property uh, was approached by uh, agents of the government mm. and they shot him dead in front of his own house and uh, his voice was silenced and it was gone. And one of the, uh, one of the last points that I heard uh, William Cooper make, uh, unfortunately, before he was, uh, you know, shot dead in front of his house Mm. was uh, he was talking about Alex Jones a lot, which I found very interesting. He, uh, he didn't like Alex Jones. He was convinced Alex Jones was uh, a CIA disinformation peddler. Mm. And uh, when you look at, Well, you know, it's interesting because when you go back and you look at kind of the way that, uh, you know, Alex is really good at getting lots of things right. And, uh, and, you know, getting called out really terribly for, you know, things that he gets wrong. Mm. And so, you know, when I think back on Cooper talking about that, he is the perfect person to really, you know, spread some of these ideas out and really muddy the waters Mm. of everything that he's involved with. Um, and, you know, it's interesting to see some of the sympathy towards him. And I always wonder, you know, we'll never really know. But, you know, before Cooper died, that was something that he was talking about a lot. So uh, from the left field, that's something that I always like to. Uh, yeah, to think I think what, what I see, too, in one of the because you can't help. As you say, you, you're, you're a truth seeker like myself. You're a critical thinker. So I'm sure you've thought about a lot of this stuff and. I saw 9-11 as the creation of the fear-generated society, right? That was when, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, the, there's a suspicious bag in the shopping center. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, yeah. like that was, the, that was the creation of the fear-generated society. And I can't help but think and, you know, again, no, no proof, no, this is just me, mind experiments, you know what I mean? It's like the fear-generated society culminated in what we've experienced over the last two years, Uh because I mean, you know, that's where I grew up in the eighties and the nineties, we weren't scared. You know what I mean? Like we knew our neighbors, we was very community focused, uh, all that stuff. Whereas these days, most people don't even know who their neighbors are, you know, whereas I remember as a kid, I remember being a kid, we'd have, you know, we play cricket down here. It's like your baseball, you know, and we play, we'd play cricket in the, in the street and there'd be a, a, bar, a communal barbecue where someone would drag a barbecue out and we'd everyone would put meat on the barbie. You know what I mean? And that's, that stuff is now gone. And the primary reason for that is, is was the fear generated society that was created through the terrorist attacks at 9-11. Um, and you're right. I don't think we'll ever know, but there, it, it smells that one. It doesn't smell good. That one. It, 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 there's something, it, about you know, it. it's one of those things where as an American, I was captivated in the moment watching the television like everybody else. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was uh, so many things revealed when you were watching it live that have been erased and washed Absolutely. over since. Absolutely. So, you know, regardless of, you know, I'm not willing uh, at this point to, to jump in and totally say, but I can also, you know, 
feel really confident in the fact that uh, so much of the narrative doesn't make any sense. No, uh, in no. so many ways, you know, it um, smells. It's it, it's it smells, but it's 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 not something that. Uh, actually, you like this, right? So you like this. I was um, I was staying. I was in my twenties when that happens. I was always, you know, I was staying at my parents' house for some reason. I don't remember why. And anyway, the uh, it happened, right? And my my younger brother was up late watching tv and uh he he tells the same story that everybody tells he thought it was a movie right he's switching yeah. channels and he thought it was a movie and uh when he figured out it wasn't a movie he, he comes into my my bedroom he what he you know wakes me and he goes he goes two two planes just flew into the twin towers in america and i apparently i rolled over i looked at him and i said oh well we're all fucked now and then I just rolled back and went back to sleep. That's all I said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the overstep at that point of, uh, of really, really digging deep and, uh, and stripping away uh, some of the liberties that uh, we fought for in this country so hard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that have, that have never been given quickly. back that have never been given yeah, back. No, and then, yeah, and then we're doubled no. down on over the last two years, Mike. That's the other thing too, isn't it? You know? Yeah, like everything else with the Snowden thing, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Snowden's on, you know, he's hiding out in Russia because yeah. he told the truth. Yeah. Um, you know, and w- we see this every day now. It's, you know, uh, Biden was just on a TV uh, talking about this Ukraine thing, uh, which is a ridiculous farce. And, you know, what a great way to distract from the fact that the uh, CIA were just discovered, right? Because the Snowden the Snowden information was a, a real attack on the NSA, the, the uh, you know, the National Security Absolutely. Agency. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, but now what's just come out while Biden's talking about Ukraine is that mm-hmm. the CIA has also been monitoring uh, American uh, citizens. Of course they You know, are. and that story got swept under the rug, you know what I mean? Well, like, so and this is every whole... time you hear these guys, it's the same thing, you know? And that's the whole thing, too. It's like, because the 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 middle the the common population, I suppose, for the want of a better term, is now waking up to the fact that the the pandemic has pretty much been bullshit, right? Uh, a lot of it certainly and, overhyped. Certainly yeah, yeah, yeah. overhyped. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying, as I say, I'm not I'm not on complete crazy town conspiracy with it. It does exist. All these sorts of things, and yeah. the initial reaction was probably justified. Uh, whether or not it was a piece of biological warfare, I personally think it was. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, that's another one of those things we'll never know. However, um, now that we need to hold, hold these people to account for basically destroying our lives, you know, uh, and, and oh, completely disrupting the global economy. Yeah. Um, and we didn't even get into global narratives, but no, I mean, no, no. It's the most efficient global narrative that's oh, it's, ever been. It's uh, been unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable yeah. how how quickly yeah. how quickly it happened. Like. You know, I, I was in logistics for a very long time, right? That was my profession. I was a, 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 a logistician is basically what they used to call me. You know, if, if you've got weird and wonderful things, you call me, right? Uh, to move it from one place in the jungle to the desert. And I bounced around Australasia doing that for many years. And like I live in a, a I suppose what you call a country town uh, outside of Brisbane. And within, within a month, they had form-fitted plastic shields fitted to the registers at our shop at our Woolworths, right, which is our local shopping centre. And I'm like, hang on a minute. I know about production. I know about logistics. These were ready to go, 
right? They to reach a regional shop to have those installed. It's like you had to design them, cut them, press them, make them, ship them. That happened within four weeks. That's not, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, if if you remember too, at the beginning of the outbreak, it was, uh, you know, we were told, listen, you know, it's going to be a year and a half, two years before we can get a vaccine for this thing. Yeah. And then uh, uh, all of a sudden it's, oh, good news, DARPA, you know, nobody knows what the hell DARPA actually does. Yeah. But good news, DARPA's worked on this, you know, mRNA technology that we're going to be able to turn into vaccines mm-hmm. quickly, mm-hmm. Um, you know, which we found don't work like traditional vaccines. No. Well, actually, we, um, have, we, we had to, to redefine the word vaccine. We've had to redefine. They've right. Redefined yeah, they redefined it. That's right. Yes. Yeah. In true Orwellian fashion. That's right. Yeah, misspeak and wrong that, speak. Yeah, yeah just, that's right. Yeah, just redefine it. You'll be fine. Yeah. Do you know when it, and I don't know, you, you may have... Uh, sort of heard me talking about it last year we, we were going to dedicate episode 150 to 1984 by george orwell and uh myself yeah. and you know a couple of the founding coders we we read it individually and uh man that was so depressing because he didn't win in the end right he, he just double he just yeah. he just you know and it's all that double speak and and uh you know misinformation and uh you know stuff that just doesn't exist you know it's like you know, and it's, it is like yeah. the fuel price thing. It's like, oh, you know, we, you know, it's a dollar eighty-five for a liter of diesel at the moment down here, which is unbelievable. You know what I mean? So that's like a quarter of a gallon. So that'd be we're going weird. through the same thing, yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, we, we'll take it down to a dollar sixty. Isn't that good of us? Yeah, yeah. It used to be ninety cents, but you know, dollar sixty is better than a dollar eighty. You know, and I think one of my big concerns, mate, to sort of maybe wrap it up, is that these this conspiracy and I, the 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 name of this episode came through early on and it's conspiracy and control and what i'm very concerned about is the conspiracy and and the control that we have given these people i mean the the names that we've mentioned today are still in control of this global narrative you know we didn't even get into the world economic forum and you know Klaus schwab and and you know, Good like, old Klaus, yeah. Oh, Klaus man. is great. Have yeah. you seen him in his uh, in his uh, black space suit? Oh man, don't even get me started. Where where's he? He's hiding oh, somewhere. Fantastic. You know what yeah. I mean? He's he's hiding yeah, somewhere, isn't yeah. he? Um, and the author the, of the great narrative. Yeah, the author of the great narrative. It's like, and this is the, another one of the conspiracies, isn't it? It's like a year ago, they're like, oh, how do you know this is going to happen? It's not like it's written down anywhere. Well, it's literally written in stone on the Georgia stones that just appeared out of nowhere one day and no one knows who put them there. And right. then there's actual a bloody book about it that he's outlining exactly what he wants to do and that the World Economic Forum has pervaded every level of government all over the world. Like our, our health minister, not only he's, is he not a doctor, He's he was the economist for the World Economic Forum, so we're 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 in we're in good shape down here, mate. It's it's going to work. Out well. <laughs> yeah, and and where's he coming from? Good old Davos, Switzerland. Exactly, coming out of Switzerland, the neutral yeah. country, the neutral country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Those well, heroes over there. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> well, listen, Dan, I, I've really really enjoyed this, mate. I'm so happy that we we finally sat down and 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 had this discussion. And whether you like it or not, you're coming back. Because uh, we didn't even <laughs> sounds we, good, Trip. We didn't even scratch the surface on so many of these other topics, and I know you like the uh, the megalithic stuff as well. So you know, there's and I think yeah. 
you know, that was maybe the last time that science and spirituality were one and we may have understood what it was like to be human. Is that me hoping and maybe looking through rose-colored glasses? Maybe. I, I can I can admit that. But, um, yeah, man, I don't have much more. And maybe, maybe the wrong group of people survived that catastrophe. Yeah, I think that was, a, that was an idea that I don't know whether we've spoken about it on the podcast, but that's one of the – the problem is, mate, is that, you know, we, I've got a cabinet here, a cabinet there, there's one over there, and there's, there's like yeah. 15 pages of research on 100 different topics. So um, one of the ideas I had in one of the ideas we spoke about one night, and don't know if it's a mic or not, was, was that, right? So if it was the – you know, if science and spirituality were one, uh, you know, and, it, and similar today, hunter-gatherers existed – uh, and a global understanding of religion existed uh, for want of a better term where we honored people for who they are not their color creed anything else like that but then there was materialists right so who's going to who's going to survive a cataclysm it'll be the materialists who build the ship and build the thing and all that sort of stuff and potentially that's who did survive the cataclysm mate, or overwhelmingly survive the cataclysm and therefore um, you know fast forward 11,000 years and here we are you know it's, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely, man. You know, well, thanks very much, Dan. I really appreciate it, mate. Uh, stay safe over there and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, Trip, you as well, man. Thanks again. Thanks, mate. Do you want to go again? Let's do it. Yeah. Go again. All right. I know you. Been here before. No surprises settle the score. I know the darkness deep inside. Reckless rage, poison pride. I know the anger. I know the pain. through I know you I know you Wow